This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John. And, uh, John, how about this week we talk about uh, TVs and movies and whatnot that we watch this week? How's that sound? Sounds a little off script, but I- I'm amenable. Cool. I thought you would be uh, down for shaking things up a little bit. Yeah. It's good to change things up every now and then. Indeed it is. So... That being said, uh, I watched quite a few shows. Um, I will preface it right off by saying that we're recording this early. We're recording this Saturday afternoon. And so I have not gotten a chance. They haven't even aired the second episode of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I know. I know. Everybody was excited to hear about it. But we will be covering that this week. Um, I did want to do a little flashback, though, to last week. Because at the beginning of last week's episode, you made mention that you went ahead and watched some You're the Worst, and you said, we'll talk about it later, but we never talked about it later. I I thought about the same thing later on after we got done. I was like, oh, we never actually talked about that. Yeah, so why don't we start off with that? I, I think that's a great idea, but I think I also want to start off by saying the reason why we're recording so early is because Martin is going out of town, and we couldn't, our schedules were all conflicted up. Right. So I'm going to hang in on Martin. Okay. All right. Now the dirty laundry's aired out. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, you're the worst. So I think I've watched seven or eight episodes. I feel like the last episode I watched is the one where they decided they were going to become exclusive. By the way, I'm on season one, watching it on Hulu. Yep. Uh, The one where they decided they're going to become exclusive because, like, they were doing that whole arms distance things with each other, even though they both clearly like each other. Right. And uh, this is what I'll say about the show. Um, I enjoy it. Um, when it says you're the worst, the characters really are deplorable at times. <laughs> yes. Uh, but they also do make them likable. It's mm-hmm. not like they're all not likable. Like, you know, like I can't think of the guy's name. But that's fine. Jimmy. But the main, Jimmy. Yeah. Okay. The main Jimmy and the uh, the other the girls Gretchen. Yep. Okay, so they they hook they basically they're at a wedding. It's Jimmy's ex girlfriend's wedding. Jimmy has a meltdown. He gets thrown out. He meets Gretchen outside, who is friends with the bride's sister. I think is what it is, and she's stealing a blender. And then when she finds out it's a blender, she throws it into the tree. And that's how we find out they're the worst. Basically, that's the before the opening credits. Yep. Um, they end up hooking up, and then each episode's like twenty minutes long. Correct. And fifteen minutes, I believe, of the first episode is them having sex, which. <laughs> surprised me like you didn't see any nudity except for like some bare bottom and side boob but yep. the amount of sex that was had on the show was surprising considering that it's not like it's an hbo show i mean it's on fx or fxx or whatever which i realized can be risque but still i was i was surprised <laughs> um but yeah they're very casual about everything and then like I think it's episode two or three she mentioned something about starting your period and he goes all right well I'll see you in five days 
looks at him like, what? Like, because of him. Period. We can't even talk or meet. Well, I thought that's what you meant by that. I mean, this is what we, I mean. We don't have anything going on here, so I'll see you in five days. <clears throat> yeah. So, anyhow, it's it's a good show. I like the premise. Um, the uh, to speak to that sex thing, it never really goes away. There's not as much as in that first episode, but like I was yes. watching an episode in the third season where uh, they're sitting there watching TV on the couch, and Edgar walks in. And he looks down, and there's a blanket over their laps, and you can clearly see from the motions that she's jacking him off under the blanket, and he's playing with her under the blanket. But they're yeah. not like focused on it; they're just staring gap jawed at the TV, like, "Wow, <laughs> this is such an interesting program." But yeah, blah blah blah. And Edgar's his roommate that has got PTSDs from being in the war and kind of mooches off him, but for whatever reason, Jimmy's okay with it. Yeah, because Edgar's like, a very good cook Yeah, and, and runs errands and such. Yeah, like Jimmy is an author whose book was not very successful, but he used all his money to buy a house, pay yep. for it, so he's got a, he's got a cool pad. And um, I don't know, like I said, I, so far the adventures I've seen them get on, it mostly it all centers around their relationship, but now that they're or lack of relationship, but they're still hooking up with each other. And apparently in this one episode, other people, um, <laughs> they get back at each other. Right. You know, Cause, oh, you're a half a point up and I'm a point back and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they decide that they're going to become exclusive at the end of the episode. So I'm curious how it's going to go from here on. Uh, oh, wait, did I see one episode after that where that bride and her husband say they can't be friends with them because they're like a cancer on their relationship and they're like, that's cool? Yeah. Yeah. That was the episode they decided to become exclusive, actually. At the end of that episode, that was, yeah. So, no, I really like the show. It's good. It, like you said, they're terrible people, but they're not terrible as in, like, a Scrooge type. You know, the things no. that they say and do are horrible, but they're still lovable for it. They're, they're essentially high-functioning sociopaths. And there's a, there's another show on Hulu, like, that has a similar concept. Where I think it's called Mean People or something like that. But the two leads are, like, a, a gay guy and his best friend, gal friend, and they're just, like, obnoxious to people. And I think you're the worst in this show, and this show's a Hulu original. I think um, – I think they were going for like a similar concept of how they they treat people, but you're the worst. Pulls it off much, much, much better. Oh, good. Mean people does it in an annoying way, like over the top annoying way. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Nope, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I find it very, very fun to watch. The second season starts off. The first half of the second season is very much in the same vein, and then it hits. A, a patch. They went serious for a while, and even though there's still some funny stuff in there, it's serious and kind of brings you down. But yeah. you still enjoy the hell out of it. I'll, I'll say that. I still enjoyed everything about it because the characters <sighs> really are real. You know, the more time you spend watching them, the more you realize that these are not comically portrayed um, sitcom people. You know, you go watch like Mom or uh, The Odd Couple or Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something like that, and the people yeah. are broadly drawn cartoons, essentially. And these people, and you're the worst, are very realistic. You know, you could probably picture some people that you've dealt with, either at work, in a relationship, a friendship, something like that, where you're like, yeah, I could see this being so-and-so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the reasons yeah. that I really enjoy it is the realism that it brings. Um, and what they do, like, so far the backstory we've seen on the characters from the episodes I've seen, like, 
it's done well. Like you understand each of the characters, the roles they play on the sh- roles they play on the show, and where they are. And even though they are the works, they're still likable. Like you still want to watch them. They, it's not. A, they're not. It's not a turnoff. Right. Like Mean People is a turnoff the way they have those characters portrayed. Gotcha. But um, yeah. So. Good. What else you got? I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, well. I know you like to go by days of the week, so... Uh, I just It's just how I have it laid out in my notes, really. So that would make Sunday... Well, I should probably start off with Sunday was the return of The Walking Dead. The <sighs> the biggest premiere audience, you know, season premiere audience, broke all records, broke all Twitter records. More people tuned in to see that than anything else. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 indeed. And people were torn... Um, some people recounted that it was genius and it was brilliant. Some people said it was garbage and, um, they, they messed things up. Uh, some took the middle ground and they said, you know, it could have been good except for that they handled everything badly because one of the arguments out there was that the whole shtick behind it was who's going to get clobbered. But the thing is, you already knew that Negan was there. You know, when you watched the season finale uh, six months ago or whatever, uh, you knew Negan was there. You watched him line everybody up. You watched him play his eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and then you saw him bring the bat down, and you heard it crack, and you saw the blood go across the camera screen. So you knew everything was happening. You You knew that this was going to happen, and it was – so like 90% of the mystery was gone. You know, it wasn't a cliffhanger like, is someone going to die? It was, no, somebody is going to die. Now we just have to bear through until the show decides to reveal it. So some people were kind of paved about that. I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I thought it was very well done. Um, it was mostly told from Rick's point of view. And we got to see him being broken um, by Negan. We... You kind of got a sense, and I'm just going to talk about it because it's been a week, and honestly, if you haven't watched it by this point, that's your own fault because the internet's been a minefield of spoilers and headlines and stuff, and you should have done it by now. Yeah, none of this is... There's none of this is a surprise. No. So they basically, it wasn't that they killed a character, it's that they killed two characters. And the big twist was that, you know, one of them didn't have to happen. You know, first he, he did his eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and, um, he, he took out, oh my God, I can't even think of his name. Um, Abraham. What's that? Abraham. Yes. Abraham. Thank you. For some reason I wanted to call him Michael. I think that's the initial killing was Abraham. See, I don't watch the show. I'm just not going to bother. But so the initial guy that he killed was Abraham. Yes. And it, this is where some other people got very upset. Some of the mothers against violence on TV councils and stuff got very upset because it was a graphic depiction. Now you and I have seen plenty of horror movies, so we know graphic. And this was, this was like a saw level graphic. Um, Abraham's was bad because like he cracked him and Abraham kind of went down and then staggered up and, and looked at him, blood's running down his face and he's like, suck my balls. And Negan's like, oh, look at that. He's got some fight in him. And then he proceeded to just keep bashing and bashing and bashing. And there was a puddle left afterwards, you know, some jello and some entrails and stuff that was his head but his body was slumped over a puddle on the ground. Um, 
And then that was it. It should have been done. But Negan kept tormenting Rick and poking at him. And then he saw that uh, Rosita was very clearly disturbed by this and knew that she had been with Abraham. And so he said, you know, come on, look at my bat, look at my bat. And he was like teasing her, tormenting her. So uh, Daryl jumped up and socked him in the face. They all, of course, you know, there's like 500 guys out there, so they all took him down really quickly. And Negan's like, oh, no, 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 you don't, you, you don't kill something like this without tasting it first, so we're gonna keep him for later, but now somebody else has to die. And then he cracked Glenn across the head. And this is where people started getting really upset, because A, Glenn was a, a long-time mainstay character. He's been there since the beginning. Everybody liked him. But it was also the fact that they, he cracked him, and when he came back up, like, his whole face on, on the left side was swollen, and one of his eyes was bulging out. They did a great job with the prosthetics, but it looked like something that you would have seen in, like, the Toxic Avenger kind of thing. Yeah. And there's blood all over his face, and he's going, bleh, bleh, bleh. He's got brain damage. And Negan's joking and laughing and poking at him. And um, He finally managed to say, Maggie, I'll find you, much less eloquently than that. And then Negan proceeded to kick the crap out of him, you know, just bashed his head in until it was, again, a puddle and a neck stump. And then Rick decided to say, I'm going to kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but I'm going to kill you at some point. So Negan said, no, we're going to teach you a lesson. And it was a drawn-out kind of thing. You know, he dragged him into the RV. They drove off. He took Rick's axe, his little hatchet, and said, this is mine now. You're mine now. And made him go outside in a herd of walkers and get him his axe. Get me my axe. And then kept tormenting him, you know, teasing him. He'd toss the axe on top of the RV, and then Rick stayed on the top of the RV too long, and he started shooting at the top of the RV. Get off there. Get Bring me my axe. Um, so he really portrayed how he was in charge. He was in command, and he broke Rick down. It, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. It was gross. It was creepy. Um, but the thing is, too, like, everybody's posting all these memes and all these things about how, you know, Negan is the worst villain ever. Oh, my God, how can you stand this guy? This guy's terrible. Everybody wants to kill him. He honestly is not, like, when we're introduced to Negan, it's the idea of Negan because he has this group and they come and collect. They're basically, you know, a gang. They come and collect tribute so that they don't attack this group. You know, the hilltop survivors, they're like, yeah, you pay us X number of things and we won't attack and kill you. So Rick and his team had decided, well, we'll stop him. We'll go and murder his guys in the night. Unprovoked. He'd never met these guys before. And they went and they murdered them in the night in their sleep. And so Negan is saying, you killed my guys. Now I got to kill some of yours and you're going to work for me because I have control of this place. I am in control. I am in command. You need to realize this. So yeah, he's sadistic, but he also got the point across. He also is keeping control of his people. So I could see it from both ways. He's a villain, but he's not just pure evil. Like, if he was pure evil, he probably would have just killed all of these people, burned them to the ground, and said, now we own your property. You know, gone back into Alexandria and been like, I killed all your people, you work for me now. But he just wanted to set an example. See, this is one of the things that made me not like the show, 
is this similar plot, and I'll just say it this way. Every single season, essentially, after season one, has been Rick gets beaten down. The whole group gets beaten down. There's a big, bad, bad guy. They come back at the end and win. Like, that's like... To me, that's the story of the show every single season. It just it got old exceptionally fast to me. Like, and I felt like they were going nowhere and going in circles, and that's one of the reasons why I stopped watching. Like, I just intended to watch the episodes, but I never had a moment where I could. And even like the last episodes I did watch, I pretty much watched them on fast forward just to get them over with. And then when the new season started, like I said, I had the intention of watching, but I just never had the time where I said, oh, I want to sit down and watch this. And then I would hear what would happen or see what would happen or hear you talk about it or whatever. And then it just, then we started doing the show and I was just like, you know, I'm not even going to bother. And that's, and that's where I'm at with it. I just, I I get what you're saying, but to counterpoint that, I mean, you basically just described every superhero show that we watch. You know, sometimes on an episode-by-episode basis. You know, the Flash thinks he's doing good. He gets beaten down, but he rallies by the end and wins. Or, you know, the overarching season of the Flash is the same thing. You know, we come into season two, and he's like, I'm awesome, I saved the world. And then he gets beaten down by Zoom hardcore. I know, and Supernatural's the same way, and almost all those shows are the same type of way. Right. In agreeance. It's just the way The Walking Dead delivers it. It's just boring to me. Okay. Like, it's the in-between parts. Yep. It's the downtime parts. It's it just like Rick's gone crazy once already. Is he going to go crazy again? Oh, they found a new person that's going to beat him down and hold him down. I mean, it's just, it's, it's relentless. And I just, and then the way they, yeah, I, I, you know what? I like stuff other people don't like. People can like stuff I don't like. That's cool. Um, I'm glad you like the episode because you're one of the first people I've heard that actually said that liked the episode. Yep. And it's probably because they killed Glenn, and Glenn was a loved character. So, Well, like I said, there were other people complaining about the fact that it was too gory or that they went over the top or yeah. that it felt bleak. I mean, my stomach was churning a bit by the end. It was pretty graphic. But, oh yeah, but that's what I I've did been watch kind the of clips. I did watch the clips, yeah, like of of you know what happened because I wanted to see, and I even saw they even filmed one that I saw leaked one of Maggie getting beat, getting killed. Yes, they were trying to keep everything secret. Yeah, so I watched that one too, and that one was pretty graphic, pretty bad. Yes, um, especially like to me that one was worse because she's pregnant, right? Um, they but, uh, they did the Talking Dead live afterwards, and they did it yeah. in Los Angeles outside. Everybody was like camped out um, yeah. on sleeping bags and stuff like that. And it started raining, and it started pouring, and they haven't had rain there in forever, so they were all kind of like freaking out. But uh, they were talking about it, and one of the key things was after the little RV trip, they brought Rick back, and Negan was like, "Nope, you still got that look in your eyes. I want to get rid of that look." And so <clears throat> he tied off Carl's arm took a magic marker, drew a line on it and uh, on like halfway up his forearm and told Rick, I want you to cut off your boy's arm. If you don't cut off your boy's arm, I'm going to kill everybody here. And it was very intense and, and very emotional. And, you know, Carl like isn't even crying at this point. He's just like, do it, dad, just do it, just do it. And Negan counted him down, you know, one, two. And just as he was getting to three, Rick raised the ax up and he was like, nope, stop. I just wanted to make sure that you'd do it. 
and he didn't have him cut off the arm. In the comics, Rick got his hand cut off by Negan as, yeah. a, as a sign. And they actually asked um, Kirkman and uh, Gimple during the live thing, you know, was there ever any plans to have his arm cut off? fully or and they were like honestly maybe down the road but it's just too much of the budget to have to green screen that stuff all the time <laughs> yeah no it would be, be huge yep and that so, would look too cheesy right if he just had the stump where the stump is the same length of his other hand right you know yeah. they, they did it with merle back in season one and season two but he yeah. was cut off at the wrist and yep. so they could put that little sheath over it with the knife on the end. And you could always tell that there was a fist under there because it went oh, out too far. Exactly. But, but they were I mean. able to do that. They wouldn't have been able to do that in this case. So I got it. But all in all, yeah, I like the episode. Um, I'm excited to see how the rest of the season goes. I was kind of pissy at the end of the last season. But, yeah, I'm back. So on the other Sunday shows, real yeah. quick, like The Simpsons. Eh. Yeah, uh, Son of Zorn. Was, I think this is a weak, kind of a weak sauce episode because I thought they were going to go to Zephyria. Me too. Just talk about it, right? Um, not that it was a horrible episode. It was, I mean, it was Eleanor. It's Eleanor, right? Uh, yeah. I think yeah. No. Okay, no. Eleanor. She. Uh, it's, it almost seems like she's missing Zorn. Yeah. You know, things they did. It seems like she was a lot more of a wild woman back in the day. Right. I, I did like that we learned that Zephy is a slang term, um, much akin to many of the racial slang terms that are out there now that mean bad things. So, oh, yes. So calling people Zephys is like, whoa, whoa, you don't get to use that word. That's our word. Yeah. And then uh, what was it? What kind of pee did he want to drink? Goat pee. Goat urine. Goat pee. Goat urine. Yeah. Give me a couple of, couple of ice-cold goat urines. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't actually use goat urine. We use like a lemon sauce. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? Uh, I'm going to have some fried hay right now? I, I mean, I could go for some fried hay, but, you know, no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was decent. Uh, Family Guy was a, interesting. There was like a behind-the-scenes episode hosted by James Woods. And when I read the write-up, I really thought that we were going to, like, see live people. We were going to see live table reads. We were going to see yeah. the animation process and nope. stuff. But this was a pretty good way to do it. Yep, they just treated it like they're in Hollywood filming an actual show. Yep, and Peter got fired because they were all sick and tired of him. Apparently, Peter gets fired every week. And <laughs> exactly. Yep. Right before they film. So, they yeah. wait right until the end, and they're like, yeah, we do this every week and <clears throat> see what happens. We have the fake script where he dies, and we have the real script where he comes, you know, then we have the real script that we do. And Yep, they even kind of jabbed in there about how they killed off Brian and nobody really cared. Yeah. <laughs> um. My favorite part of that whole episode was when Adam West popped up in the old classic oh Batman outfit. God. And was walking, holding the, 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 the rope that was strung across, and he was walking really slowly like he was hunched over, and he stops him and goes, this is how we did that. Bet you didn't know, and then keeps on. <laughs> that was the best part of the entire episode. I absolutely love that part. Yep. Adam West is awesome. He's, he's great that he does that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um I didn't watch Elementary. Uh, it was good. Hold on. Find my notes on it here. So I don't remember watching it. I mean, I could have. Uh, oh, it was a woman who was kidnapped, and she. They brought back. Um, oh my God, what's her name there? She's on Designated Survivor to Virginia Madsen. They brought her back okay. as the recurring character of the captain's girlfriend. Okay. And you know, last time we saw them, she 
admitted that she had a degenerative disease. It might have been MS. I can't remember. Um, but in this one, she enlists Sherlock. She's like, hey, uh, I've been going to my doctor's office, and I think there's something shady going on with the nurses, like double billing for prescriptions. So could you look into it? And it turned out that, yeah, it was several of the nursing staff had decided to double bill insurance companies for prescriptions they would just charge the regular price to the consumers and they would get kickbacks. Yeah. And so, uh, but he, the, the major revelation was that he bait Sherlock basically said to the captain, you should ask her to marry you because she no longer has insurance. She's almost broke. If you marry her, then your city cop insurance will cover her treatments and it'll keep her alive. And it was very odd for Sherlock to do that. Because he normally doesn't care about people and he hates marriage, but he yeah. he seems to like her because she's very in tune. She has good instincts and such. So cool, yeah. I like I like it when they do that with a character. Yes, a fresh fresh little gloss. Yeah, I probably will watch that. I still like I love Sherlock Holmes. Absolutely love Sherlock Holmes. I mean, like we're just a couple months away from the return of Benedict Cumberpatch. As Sherlock Holmes, like Christmas um, episode, and then January first. I'm so jacked about that. And then I just read that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is actually working on a third film. They're like the scripts in process or something. So like, I mean, hmm. I enjoyed the first two. I did as well. So like, that would be really cool. I went and saw. I saw the second one. Unlike, like, I know you go to the movies and you see the same movie multiple times in the theaters. I've only ever done that twice. And that was The Force Awakens and the second Sherlock Holmes flick. So <clears throat> I look forward to seeing the uh, the new Sherlock Holmes flick in the theater if it happens. I, I just I don't, it's great. I love it. Yes, <laughs> I agree. So I'll definitely be watching the show. I just yeah, I guess I forgot to watch it. Um, <clears throat> Ash versus Evil Dead. Ah, this, I do love this show. This was an interesting episode. I didn't have a lot of notes on it. Um. Well, I, I don't have a ton either. I just know, like, like the Delta grabs Pablo. Yep. Ash seems way more upset that the Delta is resisting that his father got killed. Like, <laughs> yeah. He did, like, he got over that really, really fast. He did. But then again, we saw that they kind of hated each other for many, many, many years. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, uh, it was, it was kind of a simple episode, but it's still, I'm like, a lot happened in it as far as storyline goes, like, Ruby and, um, Oh God! What's her Kelly? Name? Kelly, thank you. Ruby and Kelly went off and hunted down Ruby's kids and killed them all. Yeah, which I they did that quite easily. I was yeah. surprised. Um, and then you know Pablo got kidnapped by the car, and then eventually Ash was able to use his chainsaw to stop the car somehow. Yep. Yeah. And then Pablo recited the words that the Necronomicon gave him to recite. Yeah, coughed up the word. So that was odd to me that the book, like, why would Pablo fall for that? Like, why would you send the book to where it wants to go? Right, right. Because it's it like sounded sympathetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, what happened to the girl in the car? Did she get away or did she end up getting killed? Nope, she got away. See, I didn't, I don't remember her dying. Um, cause Pablo told I... her to check the doors and it was open. She ran and he was like, no, I gotta stop the book. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Ruby felt it when the book went to hell. Right. She felt there was something wrong with the Necronomicon. One of my favorite parts of the um, episode, though, is that Bruce calls the Delta the classic. Yes. At one point. And the backstory to that is that's what that, – the Delta is Sam Raimi's car. Like 
that was a car that was used at the, in the Evil Dead, the first movie. And that car has been in every single Sam Raimi movie that he's ever done. That's right. It was like, Uncle Ben's car. It was Uncle Ben's car in Spider-Man and the Quick and the Dead even. The car was in there. They He had it stripped down and used the frame as a frame for a wagon. <laughs> a horse-drawn wagon that was in the movie. Um you know, and uh, there's at one point where Bruce Campbell, uh, you know, as kind of a running gag, tried to get the car destroyed because he hated that car and because Sam loved the car so much. So one of the point, I think it was an army of darkness. He told like the prop designers, or whatever, to strip it all down and on and on and on. And Sam Raimi found us Carl stripped down to nothing and lost his mind and was screaming at Bruce. You'll never kill the classic. You'll never kill the classic. And of course he didn't because the move, the car is now in. Ash versus Evil Dead. So um, that, to but, me, that was a funny little behind-the-scenes Easter egg. And, and it was fun, too, because then Pablo was like, well, you know, at least you don't have to get it towed anywhere. It's kind of at a good place to be dead. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to kill that. i got to yeah. bring it back. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. So it felt to me like, like you said, not a lot happened, but a lot did. It felt like a season finale episode, didn't it? Like, like a mid-season finale, maybe? Yeah, like yeah. Like you said, Ruby and Kelly killed off all of her children, the super deadites that were giving them so much trouble, just killed them all, melted them into yep. gray goo. Um, yep. They stopped the Delta and yep. sent the book back to hell, and it just felt like, oh, okay, so we win. And yes, I know there was that scene at the very end where the trunk pops open and some fiery demon comes racing out of there. Comes Probably Baal. You know, they mentioned Ball a couple of times, one of the Lords of Hell, yeah. so. It probably is, because he probably needed the book to get out. And, yeah. Right. So, it, it, but it felt like, okay, now that'll be the setup for the next season. So, it was really shocking yeah. that it was only episode four of ten. Yeah. But, again, I mean, like, by no means was this a bad episode. Oh, no. And they get to have a bad episode. That's the thing that's pretty remarkable about the show. Right. Uh, how'd you so, like when uh, he was on the hood of the Delta and it was trying to buck him off and his father appeared in that of his pink father, like, thought bubble? Cheeks. Yes, that was awesome. Yep. That was very well done. I'm actually kind of upset they killed his dad so quick. I really liked Brock Williams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know he's not the focal point of the show and they have to move on with what they're going to do, but I really liked Brock Williams. But he was you- great. Did you notice that when his body was laying there in the street in the very beginning and Ash was like having his moment with him and piecing him back together, did you notice that the clothing his dad was wearing was very reminiscent of Ash's clothing in Evil Dead 2 and uh, Army of Darkness? It was the blue button-up and the brown sh- uh, pants. That's what Ash still wears now in every episode. Well, I looked at Ash and he was wearing something a little bit different. He had the jacket on, but oh. yeah, it was. But for the most part, he wore, yeah, I know, I picked up on that straight away that yeah. he was wearing a blue shirt and, it's a blue shirt and brown pants. I mean, that's what he's, you know, Ash has always worn. So I, right. I did pick up on that straight away. I just, he's trying to like push his eye back in and put his brain back <laughs> in his head. I mean, just like, <laughs> he doesn't seem very upset or very upset about honorable. touching these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that show. Absolutely love that show. Are you caught up on Westworld? I am caught up on Westworld. So my wife and I watched Westworld last night and she brought up a point that I don't, I guess I hadn't thought of it, but like this show really makes her think, which is, I I think it's, that's new for her as far as when it comes to watching a show. Like she, I think she, I'm not going to say she likes mindless, easy stuff or anything like that, but like 
nothing that she's watched has really been like this. And so I think that's why she finds it so odd. But she brought up a very valid point. She's like, is it like, is this, is this place like in a, in a dome? Like, are they in a dome? Is it outside? I mean, it's always sunny. It's never raining. And like, they don't think they have bad weather. And then like, Dolores was talking about at one point, you know, running the herd in the winter and the fall and this and that. I got to thinking about it. It's like, is it because like when you think about the old West, you don't think about winter. You think about, you know, desert, summer, whatever. Like, hmm, I guess that's a valid question or point of view. And so do you think it's always perfect weather there? So far, it seems to be. Um, I mean, if you're paying $40,000 a day, I mean, you'd think you'd want it not to rain. Right. I would have to, they haven't said anything definite, but I would have to lean towards it being more like a dome or an underground kind of thing. Uh, for the simple fact that, how would you keep people from wandering in? You right, know, exactly. They, yeah. they don't, cause he makes mention when they're digging up the ground, he's like, you know, are the neighbors complaining? It could be like an underground city kind of thing. And there right. could be people above them who would complain. But yeah, how would you keep people from wandering in? How would you keep the weather always nice? Um, how would you keep livestock? I mean, I know the livestock is probably robotic anyway, but yeah, it, it would be too hard to keep those borders, um, drawn. Yeah. And they'd have to have some point, like, uh, as a guest, you're going there and you're wandering out into the desert to catch a bad guy and you shoot everybody and you're like, well, let me see how far I can walk in this direction. There would have to be an end, you know, before you showed up at, like, the Taj in Vegas. So here's another thing that um, Kate brought up. Well, no, that, that Kate didn't bring up, but one of the things we were talking about was, okay, um, when Bernard meets with the Dolores, right? Well, yep. it seemed like he was meeting with her during a time when she was supposed to be sleeping at the campfire. Right. And then all of a sudden she was back at the campfire. And then I said, ooh, maybe they meet in her dream somehow. Like he plugs into her while she's asleep. And that's why, and that's how they meet. And then when she gets up and walks out, that's when she wakes up maybe? It's quite possible. Like they maybe have a – kind of like you have redundant servers – you know, you have yeah. your server machine, but then you have redundant ones that don't do any of the processing. They just collect the data in case something happens to the original. So perhaps yeah. they have redundant versions of them so that he can tap in. So he's talking to a double and they're linked together. Right, right. Because I don't think she's definitely going any place now. You know, like, because I, I kept wondering, how does she get down there without him, without anyone seeing her? Right. Because they seem to keep track. I mean, if you notice, like in this episode, they made the point of saying, like, oh, she's not in her loop. Yes. Like somewhere where she's not supposed to be. Well, is, he with a, is she with a guest? Oh, I don't know. So then the sheriff goes to bring her back and, you know, she says to him, my father's dead, da, 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 da. And then, you know, William's like, oh, she's with me. And he's like, oh, sorry about that. And he walks off. Well, there's something I'm curious about there. Um, do you think, like, was that another host or was that a guest, the sheriff? Or not a guest, but an employee? Trying to get her to go back. Right. And if it was an employee, don't you think he would think it would, it would be odd when she said, my father's dead? Like, she shouldn't still remember that because as far as we know, the, every day they get blipped back to where they, where they begin. I think that they probably programmed one of the hosts to go out and get her. Like, remember when uh, Shannon Woodard and the guy from QA uh, went to collect the stray? Yeah. They they went in in their normal clothes. They didn't get all That's dressed true. up, and yeah. they kind of froze everything around them. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the other thing I was, I was just kind of thinking of it as I was talking it out loud, I guess I was kind of working this out in my own brain is probably if they leave their loop, then it's, they don't reset if they're with a guest until they're, the guest is done with them or they get killed or something like that. Happens. Right. Cause that would kind of suck if, you know, yeah. they just suddenly, it, oh, it's midnight. I've got to go back to my place so that I can wake up tomorrow hey. and talk to Paul about the, Cattle. Exactly, exactly. And how do they, cause Dolores' life sucks. I'm just gonna go back to that. Every single night the girl is raped and murdered, basically. Rather it be by the man in black or just some other host. Right. Like, that's her timeline, no matter what, every day, rather there's a guest there or not. That sucks. Anyways, I know she doesn't know it, but she's starting to remember it. Yes, she is. And, okay, Maeve. Is it Maeve? Maeve, yeah. Black, yeah, the black hooker. All right, so she finds the bullet in her. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they take the bullet? Why would there be a bullet in her? You would think they'd remove that, right? You would think so. I mean, you would think that would come out prior to her going back in there. Right. But nope, there it was. And then she's obviously of the mindset of, like, she realizes there's something wrong no matter what they do. doesn't matter if they get killed. They just come right back. It's also very interesting to think about the fact that there's an actual bullet in her. Up until now, we've had all these conjectures and wonderings about the weapons that they're using because, you know, hosts can kill hosts, but they can't kill guests. And, you know, this was an actual slug. It had the compression marks and everything. Yeah, it was like some rubber bullet that would bounce off her, but her her skin allows it to enter or something. Yeah, right. 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 I know. And that, well, they also made even the... Even the the guests, they made their guns electronically jam to break up, you know. So yeah, that was that was some interesting stuff. And then they told they put the guests in jail for the night. (laughs) (laughs) That'll add to their experience. I'd I'd like that. It's kind of like the man in black said. You know, he said that he's looking for more. No matter what, you can't die. And I think that it's kind of like the old thing about if you were all powerful, you'd get bored very quickly. Yep. Because you would. If you could walk around here and kill and, and have sex with and do whatever you wanted at any time, it would get boring very quickly. Yep. Or you'd become a sadist like the uh, White Hat's buddy is becoming. Oh, massively. Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, I, I really like the show. Mm. I, I thought – Go ahead. I was going to say, I thought it was interesting, some of the new things that were added in this time. You know, we finally got to see where the snake lays its eggs, and it was that woman with the snake tattoo. Um, yeah. And when she was talking about the carving of Orion, and he's like, that's yeah. not Orion. Orion's belt has three stars. This one has four. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? What's the fourth star? Is that some clue to the maze? Exactly. And speaking of the maze... He's sending Dolores right in the beginning when he's talking to her. He's like, yeah, I think you should go to the maze. the maze. Yeah. I don't know, dude. It's really good. And now they're tying in Wyatt. You know, they, yes. we thought that Wyatt was just pulled out of nowhere, but suddenly he's integrated with the, uh, the snake woman and his blood is going to paint the rest of her tattoo if she ever gets to him. Yep. And then like the, uh, I can't think of the girl's name, the one that's sleeping with Bernard. Like she basically was telling Anthony Hopkins' character, like this is this is you know this is this is uh, this is how it works. Yeah, this is what we're gonna do. And then he just was like, um, no, this is how it works. <laughs> right. This is what I'm going to do, and you can either stay in my, you can either get out of the way, or I will move you out of the way. Essentially, is what he says. And then he's tearing up that whole area. <laughs> I loved too how 
once again, this time he didn't even move, and he just froze all of them around him. Oh, he raised a finger. I watched. Oh, okay. I froze the waiter. I saw him raise one finger, and the waiter unfroze, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yep. Yeah, and then he called everybody in, like, he is, he is God in that place. Dolores Here. ran into uh, the daughter that had talked about the maze originally. Yeah. But and, she was, and, like, a hallucination. Yeah, and the maze was drawn on the ground. Yep. Um. There was, oh, this was really interesting to me when when he said, okay, when the man in black said that he needed one match and he lit the cigar and stuck it in the lock, they had that yes. simultaneous scene where they were like, we need, we have a request for two small yield explosives, uh, pyrotechnics. Yep. yep. And it was really weird because you never saw him like look up to the sky and say, hey, I want to blow this up. He was just doing it. Yes. Like, like, this is how I do it. And they're like, oh, okay, we need to react to this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and do it. And they let him blow open the door. Really? And then that other one blew up that guy's face. Right. So yeah. were they actually there? You know, we've seen these people show up on the train and stuff like that and get changed up. But are we going to find out later that all these people are jacked in kind of like the Matrix? That's exactly what I was thinking as well. Like, Kate and I kind of talked about that, too. I was like, are they actually really there? Or do you think they're sitting someplace and they're just being projected in there and that's how they're not shot? Like, that's how when they get shot, it doesn't hurt them because, you know, they're not there. But we've seen them take the physical bodies and put them into cold storage. We've seen them take the physical dead bodies to fix them to bring them back to life. So, I, the only... So... I don't think they are that or every guest... Their mind has been put into the mind of a robot. That's what I was but, just going to say. But then, if we do discover that that is the case, then any threat to them is gone, and it doesn't matter. Because they're safe someplace else. Right. But it's so like far, the that's Bruce what we've Willis been... It's robot. Yes. Well, that's what we've been led to believe so far, is that they yeah. are perfectly safe, and yeah. that there's no reason to worry. Um, well, but you know what though? Even then, I worry a little because Kate's one thing is she said repeatedly, and I agree with her, is how can they tell the difference between a guest and a host? If you're a guest, how can you tell if someone else is a guest? It's true. How have we not had guest on guest violence? Exactly, because if you think that happens, they just go, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, thought you were a host. Like, is there a pin? I mean, is there something that identifies them? That's the other thing that um and to me asking about to me that lends more credence to the idea that this is like the matrix because yep. it reminds me of MMOs that you play and when you yep. log into an MMO there are instanced worlds so like you might be in this dungeon and this other group is in this dungeon and this third group and there could be like 20 groups in that dungeon but they're each in their own instance of the dungeon so they never see you you have no idea what they're doing you're both in the same dungeon but you'll mm -hmm. never see each other because it's like they're in dungeon 42169 and you're in dungeon 54378 okay. yeah i i don't know i feel like that these people are physically inside a park physically interacting because if they weren't then then they wouldn't need to make these people robotic. It would all be like you're being zapped into a computer and you can just computer generate everything, which would probably be a hell of a lot cheaper. Right. And would be a hell of a lot easier. So I feel like they must physically be inside this park. I get that. Experiencing everything. I get that, but I'm leaning towards the other way 
mostly because of all the stuff that we've seen that would be impossible otherwise. I mean, for Anthony Hopkins to raise a finger and stop everybody in their tracks mm-hmm. is unbelievable for somebody who's in a physical world. Like, that is thought. He is thinking, I want these guys to stop, and they stop. So, it, I could see it either way. Both have their merits. Both have their strengths. And we haven't even talked about the fact that most of what Maeve is remembering was the man in the white suit. She's got that whole thing of the, the cleaners, the people that come in yes. and collect their bodies. Yes, exactly. And every time she sketches it, she puts it in a hidey hole, and she finds and then- the stack... Yep. That she's done before. And the little Native American girl drops her doll, which is a wooden representation of that. What did they call them? They said, uh, they're shades that walk between the worlds sent from hell yes. to watch over this world. Exactly, yes. <sighs> I don't know. I like to think that they're phys- it's, that it's all, they're in a physical world. Mm-hmm. That these, are, these creatures and everything that's being physically created is because the people are interacting in a physical world. Because else they wouldn't talk so much about. Well, they, they still could, I guess, if it was all computer generated. I don't know. I like to think it's in a physical world. Okay, and I'm going to go with virtual. So, but it'll be fun Fair as enough. the season goes on to see how that pans out for both of us. That's a really great show. It is. HBO does a great job on their shows when they don't have those limits like that. They do. And this is showing that you can have an awesome thinking show that yes. doesn't require massive amounts of nudity and sex. Exactly. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Um, and every episode is pretty much an hour long. So it's almost yep. like a mini movie. Right. There's so much. Like, it's amazing how much more is in there when you watch something that's an hour long as opposed to 42 minutes. Right. Like how much more? I mean, yes, it's eighteen more minutes of content, but it's like that's a that's a twenty that's a, almost a whole twenty minute sitcom extra, you know? Right. <laughs> so uh, Monday, Monday, Monday. Let's talk about Monday. Well, Monday had Gotham. Yeah. So, um, boy, the Mad Hatter certainly was putting uh, Gordon in some pretty impossible situations. It was really. A good episode, all things considered. It really was a good episode. I mean... <laughs> I was surprised. I've seen the same concept that was used. I've seen that in other movies or other shows or whatever. Um, but I really enjoyed how this one was done. And I think what I liked about the most is, like, the captain even said, like, it's not your fault. He put you in an impossible situation. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't blame Gordon. They didn't have to hunt Gordon down. Like, you know what I mean? Shit like that, like they, they do. And it yeah. just, that stuff annoys me. But, um, no, they really, they really, really did. Now, I guess the big question, I'm just going to jump right to the end because if I remember correctly, we didn't have any of, uh, Bruce in this episode. Which I don't remember was great. Seeing Bruce. Yeah. It was all strictly this one storyline with Gordon. And then, of course, the penguin being in love with, Enigma. Yeah, that kind of, like, the last episode that we watched before this one, and they had their little moment there of, like, yeah. he was so excited that Nigma had saved his life. I was like, my God, there are probably fan shippers out there writing their fan fiction about this as we speak. Almost and, likely. And this storyline felt like they said, like, they had a contest and said, write us your best fan fiction of the Penguin and Nigma hooking up, and we'll put it into the episodes. Yep. Because that's what it felt like was fan fiction. Um, what do you think about Miss Kringle's doppelganger? <laughs> well, 
if it really is, like, obviously, if they're going with the same actress and they're going with the same thing, then it lend, it leads you to believe that there's a cloner out there. Because we've already seen Toos, and now yeah. we're seeing Miss Kringle's doppelganger. Yeah. So are there going to be multiple doppelgangers out there of different people? Or was she brought back to the dead, brought back from the dead by... um. Oh, I can't think of his name. B.D. Wong's character. Oh, um, yeah. Hugo Strange. The Doctor. Hugo Strange, yeah. Maybe. Could be. I guess we'll see. Because she could be pretending not to know Nygma, knowing that Nygma murdered her. Right. But anyways, the whole thing I want to get to. <laughs> why do you think Gordon said shoot Lee? Because, I have my theory. Because he knew that whoever he picked, Tetch would shoot the other one. Exactly. Yeah. And he said shoot Lee because he knew that he would shoot Vale. Yep. And so... And that's that why he being, said at the end, he's like, Lee, about... She's like, no, don't talk right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing... Hold on a second for me. Yeah. The other thing was... Okay, Mad Hatter, come on. You're trying to kill someone. Why would you gut shoot someone? First of all, yes, I know it's painful and it takes a long time for them to die, but it's also a very easy way for them to be saved. <laughs> if you want to kill someone, make a point. Just put one in the heart or one in the head. I mean, right. that, that, that is so annoying to me when they do that on shows. Yeah. <coughs> oh, I agree completely. It's, it's like setting them up. It's almost like uh, when Syndrome in The Incredibles was talking about villains getting caught monologuing. It's the same kind of thing. Why would you put her in an easily escapable trap, Dr. Evil, and assume that everything goes to plan? I know. It's like, I can go get my gun. It's in my room. We'll come yeah. back. Boom. We'll shoot them both right now. It'll be done. Like, yeah. I mean, in the head. Just shoot her in the yeah, head. Shoot her in the head. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's like, what was the other show I was watching this week that the... They felt the need, like they had to, like there was like a twenty-minute monologue to explain what was going on, so we could understand, you know, like the, I, if it was a show or a movie or something. I, I just remember thinking, like seriously, like if you have to do this, then then people, then you're not doing a good job writing the show, right? If you have to explain everything <laughs> in this massive amount of detail, then you're not doing a good job with the show. Yeah, there's been a number of shows like that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but um, ultimately, but Gotham I, was good. Yeah, it, I liked it. It was. It reminded me of um, one of my favorites, which was the Green Goblin in Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie. You know, when he had the the cable car full of kids and Mary Jane up on the bridge yes. top, and he was like, "We are who we choose to be." Now choose and dropped them both. Yes. He was doing a lot of that. You know, the newlyweds are up here; they're going to jump. You could walk up the stairs and get to them, but that boy over there is going to get run down by my associate in the truck. You can only save one. Who's it going to be? And they let it stick. You know, they didn't say like, "Oh, he managed to find just the right way to get to the boy and then go save the newlyweds." No, they did. I know they big time dead, big time dead. And then he put him in the impossible situation with the pediatrician and the reporter, and you know who's going to get electrocuted. So it was more of a Gotham that I want to see more of. Yes, like I would definitely like to see a lot more of this. This episode, this yes. version, if you will. Yes. Um, anyways, Superhero Monday continuing with Supergirl. And I misspoke last week when I talked about Linda Carter, because Linda Carter is the president that came yeah. around this episode. Yeah, I, I was going to correct that as well, but yeah. Yes. Um, but she wants to sign a bill, 
And at first, you know, when, when the episode started, she wants to sign this bill so aliens won't feel like they have to hide. They can become citizens. They can be themselves. It's okay. And I thought, oh, that's kind of neat, like, angle they're going with. Yep. And then uh, when the fire girl there was like, well, no, they want them to come out of hiding so they can trap and kill them and know where they are and on and on and on. So, yeah, kind of reminds you of the Sokovia Accords, huh? Exactly like the <laughs> Sokovia Accords. Yep. But ultimately, it was another one of these, like, the heavy-handed theme episode. Everything was about aliens and about detection of aliens and keeping our borders safe. And, you know, she's interviewing Lena Luthor, and Lena's like, oh, yeah, we're going to make this little device that can tell you if someone's an alien just by them pressing their thumb to it. How does it do that? Blood. Checking the blood, but... Then couldn't check Supergirls because, you nope. know, they couldn't prick her finger. Right. And then, of course, you know, Kara learns a very valuable lesson about judging others and putting your opinion first multiple times in this episode. Yes. Yes, with she does. article about Lena and with the other... Uh, the Daxamite. The, uh, the Daxamite, yeah. The Daxonite or whatever. Yep. So, um, but I, I did enjoy the episode. Yes. I thought it was good. They introduced a couple new characters. I think, I wonder if they're like, we're going to have them going forward on the show. Yes. Uh, we got the to see National the National City Police. Yep. Detective, yeah. Yeah. And we got to see the, uh, alien bar where yep. it turns out that the bartender freaked out when she saw John because he, uh, he's a Martian and she's a Martian. Yeah, and she, I guess she didn't know there was any other Martians around. Yeah, she's like, I'm the last daughter of Mars. And brother should have been like, yo, I'm the last son of Mars. What are we going to do about that? We should make some last kid of Mars. That's right. <laughs> so that was a good little twist. I had read that they were going to be introducing a female Martian, um, but yep. I thought that it was going to be the uh, the CSI lady, the police lady who knew about the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, that, yes, yes. Well, she likes to date Martians, apparently. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. um, couple of things that I thought were uh, fun. One of my notes says, why is Supergirl's hair always blowing? Like, there's that scene where she's standing toe-to-toe with the fire girl, and she's talking, and the fire girl's normal, and then they pan over to Supergirl, and her hair's blowing in the wind. Yeah, yeah. It's always blowing in the wind. <laughs> yeah. I um, think that's just, you know, it's, it's Supergirl. Yeah. The, uh... It was interesting to see that the president was an alien, although not really shocking. Yeah, that didn't surprise me at all, that, that little little uh, give at the end. Right. Yeah. But I did love the little line there when Supergirl was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited I got to see Air Force One. And the president was like, you should see my other jet. Yeah. Ah, the <laughs> invisible jet. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yep. Um, even she, yeah. even Linda Carter was like chuckling at that one. She's like, <laughs> I was Wonder Woman. <laughs> I was Wonder Woman on a TV show. <laughs> uh, heck. Um, so yeah, good episode. Oh, and when Alex was introducing herself to that CSI girl and she pulled out her credentials, hid them behind her back and you saw them change. Yes. Was it just me or did you think she has psychic paper? I instantly thought psychic paper. It's yes. straight out of Doctor of Who. I, I gotta did. get some I, of that. I instantly thought psychic <laughs> paper. Oh, that was great. So, Big Bang Theory this week, just real quick. I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was funny. Uh, Penny going to the uh, the D list convention, if you will. Yep. And then no one believing that she married uh, Leonard. Right. 
And and then they're actually like trying to get advice from Leonard on how he got her. And it's disgusting how he's like, you know, well, basically I just wore her down over the years. And she's like, yeah, I finally gave up. Well, there's yeah. true love right there. Well, they've said that more than once that, mm-hmm. that she wore that he wore her down or whatever. But what was it? He said something or other. And uh, I can't remember what he said, but it was something dorky, of course. And uh, she goes, yeah, I find that hot or something like that. Like she played <laughs> into it. It was just right. funny the way they did it. Yep. Yeah, and then <laughs> I like the first guy who basically says the movie was horrible. Did you purposely act that bad? It's gonna be four seventy five for that. Here, keep the change. But and then there's nothing good about that interaction. <laughs> but I thought it was a good episode. I thought yep. they did well with it. Yep. Um, I was a little turned off by the uh, the whole once again over the top Howard and Raj. Are the couple? Oh, yeah. you, you say it's shocking that the salesman thought you were a couple. Yeah, How it's they like bo- they're trying to be Turk and JD. Yeah, but yeah. they're not Turk and JD. No, they're not. And the fact that they bought her a minivan, and she already she's already expressed that she's not interested in the kid, and that she yeah. feels weird about it. And they're like, well, let's just force it down her throat then. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And like, why would you? Yeah. If back. this was a semi-serious show, I would say that we were in danger of seeing an upcoming episode with postpartum Bernadette and, you know, really wondering what she's going to do and maybe she leaves Howard and the baby. But it's not but yeah, that kind no, of show. It's not that type of show at all. No, nope. we're never going to see that. Nope. So, um, phew, boy, we are only on Monday and we're an hour in. Awesome. Isn't that great? <laughs> it is. It's good stuff. That means we have... Good TV. That or the end of the week was really not as good as the beginning of the week. I right. Timeless. Timeless. I really enjoy this show. I do too. And uh, for those who don't know, the plot was this week is they're out in uh, this. This take place in World War II, and uh, essentially there's a scientist that helps America win the uh, the race to the moon and the Cold War with his uh, knowledge about rockets and whatnot. Werner and, um, von Braun. Yeah, and One Flynn of the most wants to. Uh, yes. And Flynn essentially wants to turn them over to the Soviets. Yep. But, of course, they think they're going to launch a nuke or something, and that's not the case, as we find out later. Dude, from the moment that they stole that atomic core, I kept thinking over and over again, they're going to build a battery. They're going to build a battery for the time machine so they oh, don't see, have to plug it in. Oh, see, that never crossed my mind. Oh, I knew. I was thinking back to the future. Yeah. You know, never when he changed over mind. to Mr. Fusion. <laughs> yes, but – that's what they did with it. They built a battery with the plutonium, and so now it never has to be plugged in. It can just – how long will this last? 300 years. Well, yep. if they jump 300 years in the future, does it die immediately? <laughs> they only seem to go into the past, though. They don't go into the future. Yes. Yes, and I wonder if they can't go into the future. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. So. But they met an interesting character back in time. A guy named Ian Fleming. Yep. And didn't uh, – I can't think of his name now, but didn't he schoolgirl over that? He thought it was so great. The oh, Wyatt? Movie. Yeah. He was Wyatt, like, yeah. We're here with James Bond. <laughs> yeah. James um, Bond just hit on – Yeah. I can only remember Rufus's name. <laughs> Rufus, Lucy, and Wyatt. Lucy, yeah. James Bond just hit on Lucy. <laughs> now, what do you think is going on with the tremors in her hand? Do you think that that's just nerves over what was going on this episode, or do you think that she's I, I, actually developing something? I thought that was just nerves. Okay. That's how I took that. But it's something I'm going to watch out for in the future. Because it happened in two separate instances on this episode. So that's why I was wondering if it was more. I just thought it was nerves being surrounded by Nazis and stuff. 
I like the intelligence behind this show. And I think that, like, the three that they've got there, Rufus, Wyatt, and Lucy, they're not, they're not looking at what Flynn's doing like a chess game. They seem to be looking at it like tic-tac-toe or something or, yeah. you know, rock, paper, scissors. They're like, oh, he went back to this time. He must be going to give them a nuke. They're not thinking big picture, which no. is, if I hand him over to the USSR, it destabilizes the United States because you'll still win the war, but they're going to win the race to space. The USSR is going to win the Cold War, and yep. it will make it so that the United States is crippled, Yep, which is much more brilliant of a plan. So they're not thinking like big picture. They're all thinking immediate threat. And, and – um Sorry, go ahead. No, and, and it's just – I like the way that they write the show that way so that they show that you are – it's more intelligent grand design. Yes, it is. Yes, I agree. And we find out that Rittenhouse is not a single person. It's like a group, an entity. Yep. So that's why he has to try to do all these grand things to stop it instead of just trying to kill one person. He's trying to erase an entire group, but we right. don't know the size of or how deep it goes or how far-reaching it is. And why do they call them Rittenhouse? Why don't they just come out and say Illuminati? <laughs> and then the other thing I noticed too, which was interesting, was, um, you know, in this episode, Flynn basically says, "I don't like doing any of this." Do you think I like doing any of this? Um, but this is you have to understand this. Like, it, basically, Flynn saying, "I'm the good guy in this." Mm -hmm. You know, which I think we've talked about that in the past. That what if Flynn was the good guy in right. all this, or he's trying to crack things the way they're supposed to be because someone already changed it all and we don't know, or I don't know. Uh, it's a great show. It um, is. I, I will say there was one giant groaning moment for me. Oh, really? And I'm very disappointed in the writers of the show for this moment. Please tell. And it's at the end when Ian Fleming says, never say never. And, <laughs> and what was it, Jeff? Wyatt. Wyatt <coughs> drops again at the end of it. Never say never again was the only Sean Connery Bond film that is actually not in the traditional lineage of James Bond. It is a non-EON <laughs> film. It is a remake of Thunderball, okay? Mm -hmm. So... You're gonna talk about Ian Fleming. You're gonna talk about James Bond, and then the only movie you're gonna reference is one that's not even in the real James Bond canon. Seriously, they that did to me was garbage. I I caught that too, and I agreed. But they did also reference Skyfall because when she found the secret passage out, he was like, "They were called priest holes." I, I learned that from Skyfall. Fair enough. So they did Fair reference enough. that one, but. Yeah, I and know what you're they saying. They a new Bond movie that they were all in. Yes, Weapon of Choice. Yes, and so why it was all getting was a Bond film I haven't seen, you know. Yeah, and it's but it's an old one still. I haven't seen it, but regardless, many considered it Sean Connery's best work, and it had all of them. It had a character of Rufus Wyatt and Lucy. Yeah, I do like the part where he said, "Could you Americans be any more obvious?" And then Rufus shows up and he's like, "Fine, stand corrected." <laughs> a black guy. Perfect. Yep. But no, I really enjoy the show. It's a great show. 
Yep, I agree. I like it. It was another good episode. And you know what really, one thing that I really liked as well, not just the writing and such, was the fact that in the beginning they were like, we found it. We found where the mothership is. We found where it's drawing power. And they really did. It wasn't one of these stupid, oh my God, fake outs that the Blacklist seems to love more than anything else in the world, where you get to see the people are like, oh God, we've been found. We've got to scramble to get out of here. And then the other guys are closing in and the door opens and it's not the right building. And ha ha ha, you know, we fooled the viewers. No, they opened the door and there's the mothership and they got off a few shots before it took off. Exactly. You know, as soon as that landed and the Nazi soldier was there, you know, my wife was just like, I wonder when they were going to have this happen. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they can't hide the ship every time they land. It would mm-hmm. be too inconvenient. I mean, because they don't really know where they're landing. Like They're not, like, pinpointing an exact spot where they're touching down so they know that they're hidden. Right. And one thing that they'll probably never touch upon is the fact that, you know, it doesn't like come down from the sky and land. It just kind of materializes there. So who's to say that it doesn't end up materializing into a biological organism? You know, there's like a sheep out there or a person, you know, what if that guy had been 20 feet behind and they materialized around him? (laughs) Like five feet behind him. Yep. Yep. I hope it happens actually. I hope that happens so they can make it more, not realistic, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Going to Tuesday. Do you have nope. a Monday show to talk about? Yes. What is it? Because I will say that this week, Lucifer was actually good. I know it doesn't sound like it should have been, but it actually got back more to the whole angels and heaven and hell things. Mm-hmm. We got a new angel down there in Uriel. Um, we got to talk about how he was always picked on. He always wanted to hang out with his brothers, and they basically shat upon him. They were like, ah, you're a loser. Get out of here. And he never got to play. Uh, any of their reindeer games. Uh, but he was basically here to, he, he can't kill a mortal, but he can arrange things. He can nudge things. He sees everything. He's a strategist and he can like nudge things to happen. Like he made a dog slip its leash so that it ran out in the road so that Chloe went off the road and crashed and got seriously injured. And he threatened, he said, if you don't honor your deal with dad and you don't bring mom back, I will arrange it so that she will die. And it was much more of what I originally wanted Lucifer to be like. You know, more of the angel stuff, more of the heaven stuff, more of the life and death kind of stuff. They even brought up uh, Uriel had Azrael's blade, Azrael being the angel of death, and so he could actually use that to kill an angel like Lucifer. Unfortunately, he got killed himself, but... It was still better than most of the other episodes we've had lately. So I was actually excited that maybe they're going in a new direction. The The crime of the week was okay. Yeah. But, but it was um, it, it was better storytelling than I've seen in a while. So kudos to them for that. Cool. Yeah. I'm probably still not going to go watch the show. I assumed. But, uh, but yeah, cool. So Tuesday. Cool. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, yeah, so Tuesday night. Uh, I'm going to talk about S.H.I.E.L.D. real quick. Yeah. So um, they go to the prison to break out Ghost Rider's uncle. Yep. Ghost Rider makes a poor choice. Yep. The vengeance gets the best of him. Yep. But um, I just want to comment uh, Daisy's fight scene in the cafeteria 
was really, really good. It reminds me of the last season when she first learned to fight and, and yep. they put her in that room and it was like, wow. I remember we commented on it back then too. We're like, she yep. did a really good job in this fight scene. Yeah. And once again, this fight scene was really, really good and I guess quote unquote believable if you want, but I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. Yep. Um, it was a long fight scene, obviously, and you know she, they got the better of her. They, I mean, like from time to time, and then at the end, you thought for sure she was done for until Coulson and May showed up, right? Um, and then the other thing that I thought was great about the episode was, uh, um, oh, not Fitz, Simmons, Simmons, right? Simmons is the chick. Yep. Yeah. When she, uh, when she caught. The director lying. Yeah. Based on facial tics, I'll lie to me. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had wondering this from the beginning, but like I never thought he was an inhuman. I thought he was a product of the super soldier serum, like Captain America. Uh, see, I think that that wasn't the lie that she caught him in. She caught him in a lie that he pulled the rubble. He protected those people in Vienna or wherever it was. Um, the explosion from the Sokovia Accords thing. Yeah. Um, I thought that the lie that she caught him in was he wasn't there helping those people. Um, not okay. that he wasn't inhuman. I believe he still is an inhuman. Oh, see, I always thought, I, I'm, I was wondering if it was more super soldier serum was how he got created. Gotcha. But maybe not. I don't know. I like that Fitz was handing out injectables to combat the paranoia that was called Santa T. <laughs> yes. And of course, as soon as Mac protested and said, "Oh no, I don't like needles," you knew he was going to have to get. An oh, injection. you know he's getting an injection, absolutely. But yes. it was it was quick. They didn't drag it out. It wasn't like he no. said, "You know, no, no, I can't do this," and ran off. And then we have to deal with him for the next couple of weeks being all paranoid. No, he was just exactly. like stand back, shot himself yeah. in the neck, and said, "Okay, I'm good now." Yeah, I'm kind of upset that they had. I mean, I realize Ghost Rider's all about vengeance, but I'm kind of annoyed that they had him do that. Because obviously they caught it on film, mm-hmm. and now we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, that whole subplot is interesting. You know, basically him, the the director outing himself on national TV, telling them, "Hey, I'm an inhuman," and that senator lady's like, "Okay, well, now we've got footage of your team busting up a jail, and yep. uh, we're going to leak it." And to ABC News, because of course it's an ABC channel that runs it, and yeah. uh, then people aren't going to like you anymore. And what do you want? Dun dun dun. Exactly. Well, that, not only that, but like they didn't it seem like that they were like in two different locations during that interview, and then all of a sudden they were together, like pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. The distance doesn't seem to matter in this world. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a good episode. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a, a couple of things that I didn't like, but it was a good episode all, all in all, and you know, Shield still still being strong. Supposedly next week we're going to get the origin of this Ghost Rider. Yes, that'll be interesting. Oh, who was it that that pointed something? Rude pointed something out to me about something in the background. There was a poster for like wherever Johnny Blaze used to work at some circus. Oh some yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, do you, you, you watch the middle? Negative. Halloween episode, Frankie feels unappreciated, Sue wants her room back, pretty standard kind of dramedy stuff. Um, it's just, oh, it's a fun show. It's about it. 
So I didn't watch Channel Zero this week. I forgot. Um, but I wasn't overly excited after last week. I thought last week you didn't watch it either. Yeah. I mean, the week before. <laughs> okay. Like I haven't, like, I haven't had the drive to want to watch the other episodes since that first episode. I, I, um, yeah, so there's that. Gotcha. Um, you want to go Flash or This Is Us? Let's go Flash. Okay. So snart, right? Like, <laughs> woohoo! <laughs> From back the day that the, uh, particle accelerator exploded. I'm just glad that they figured out a way to have him be on the show. Yes. That's what that comes down to. And um, I really like Harrison, Harry and Cisco competing over the names of the metas. <laughs> yes. I thought He's that was a hilarious. mirror master. Oh! Yeah. I just like their interactions. Yes. And, um, so, and, and then obviously they know that something's up because they didn't get Barry out of the mirror. Right. Someone else had to have done something. And that's how they kind of leave that. Um, what do you think of the new Wells? Hipster Wells? Yeah, yeah. Did you see the – like, I actually saw the preview for next week. Type yeah, of thing. and they don't trust him. And Well, but he even says, like, don't, they never even questioned as to why I wanted to come here. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they're playing on the fact that this team has had some bad luck with Wells's in the past. Yep. And – so they're keeping with that theme since it's already established. I think that he's going to be fine, ultimately. One I, thing I like is that the first version was Dr. Wells. The second incarnation is Harry. Yep. And now this one goes by HR. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's kind of neat. I don't understand the HR part of it. but uh, Maybe his middle initial is R. Maybe. But I do like the fact that... Uh, like, each person is their own person. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, we saw that when they were interviewing with uh, Cowboy Wells. Um, yes. Hell's <laughs> Wells. The Steampunk British Wells. Wells. Yep. <laughs> the, Wells. Yeah, you can't trust the mime. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, the, okay. And then, of course, he, he wants to la- he give them some sort of warning right before Jesse Quick pulls him away. Yep. So... It, this was another interesting week. Uh, I liked how they made the comment about, you know, oh, we had a mirror master on our world, but he had a gun that turned things two-dimensional. And, oh, okay, you know, that's a toss back in the comics. But this is another week where we got to see how DC and Marvel ran so parallel to each other. You know, you had Magenta, who was basically the female version of Magneto with the same color scheme kind of bugged me a little bit. And then you've got Top, who Marvel had their version, which was Vertigo, who dressed all in green. And she had green glowing... Top had green glowing eyes when she would induce Vertigo into her victims. It's it's just one of those comic things where you look at it and you say, I know there's only so many powers and stuff such that can go around, but people were copying each other. And doesn't necessarily dilute the pool. You know, a master of magnetism is really cool. But did you have to both come to the same color scheme? Yeah, I uh, I noticed the same thing. Yeah. 
that, that's all I really had to say about that part. But I liked when, uh, Barry was training Jesse and he like gets through his speech and he goes, Oh my God, I become Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but he said it in a cool way, like, Oh my God, I'm Oliver. Yeah. Like he was excited about it. Yep. I, uh, I didn't, I don't like the name Top though. No. Because it, it's like, it's, it's not like Mirror Master's obvious. He's a yes. Mirror Master, you know, but Top, you have to think about it. Well, the Top spins around, get it? Vertigo? Yeah. But they couldn't just call it Vertigo, apparently. Yeah, cause like I said, Marvel already had a Vertigo. But. Exactly. Marvel has a Vertigo, but yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, yeah, actually, that was all my notes. I was just happy to see Snartbat in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Um, Oh, what was about Caitlin at the end? She's taking a shower and the water freezes and she doesn't freak out. So obviously that's happened many times well, before. No, she freaked out a bit. You know, she was a little bit panicked. She didn't like scream and freak out, but you could see that there was panic in her eyes. And oh, then she went right. out and there was that stri- streak of white in her hair. Yes. And her lips that were made blue. Her freak out. She's like, oh. Yeah. So she's getting but, her frost powers no matter what. But she's afraid to be Killer Frost, even though she doesn't know who Killer Frost is. It, see, I don't know if it's that she's afraid she'll be judged harshly. Maybe, like, she knows that metas are widely considered the villains. Right. Maybe she's just scared because she doesn't know her, the extent of her own powers. And, you know, all this stuff is accidental so far, except for her freezing the mirror that Barry was in. Uh, speaking of which, nice little uh, nod to Twin Peaks when Cisco came up with the idea of how to... Get Barry's reverse speech to normal. But, yes, yes. And he brings up Twin Peaks blatantly. Yep. So, that was cool. Yep. They do that a lot on that show as far as talking about uh, other shows, if you will. Yeah, pop culture for the win. And it was nice <laughs> that when he trapped Mirror Master at the end with all those mirrors around him, he actually said it's a draw-style effect. You know, the yes. infinitely repeating mirrors. <laughs> yes, I thought that was well done as well. Yep. Yeah, it was a great episode, no doubt. Uh, this is us. Yeah. So I enjoyed this episode. I did as well. It was a uh, it was another heavy ish episode. I've never not enjoyed an episode, right? I like how um, Kevin is really bad at talking to kids about death. <laughs> He's really bad at relating to normal human beings. I think. Yes. Yes. And I do like how he called um, William. Is it's William? Yeah, William, yep. the sage old owl of a Pixar movie, <laughs> and mentioned that, it several times. That's who he is. I'm the Labrador, but everyone likes a Labrador, right? Says the owl as he looks. <laughs> um, when he was explaining the painting, I know we jump around a lot on episodes, but when at the end of the episode, when he was explaining the whole painting thing mm-hmm. and what it means to him and, and how everyone interacts and everything, and they kept showing the clips of from the past and the present, and then I'm assuming the future, it, that if they that if they unceremoniously killed William in the episode? No, I think it had to be the future. <laughs> I think that's coming up. And um, Oh, God. I, I thought that was really well done. Yes. I really enjoyed that. When the girls asked if Grandpa was going to die, and then his response is, don't get too attached to him. Right. Oh my God, that was terrible. <laughs> I was trying to joke. I'm really bad at this. That was horrible. Don't get too attached to him. <laughs> but then he tries to cover it up, and he's like, well, don't worry. I mean, I'm going to die someday. You guys are going to die someday. Mommy and Daddy are going to die. Mommy and Daddy are going to die? Oh, yeah. okay. Now that we're about death, and you're in death, go to bed. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I thought that, I thought it was a good episode. Um, I liked the uh, idea in the beginning when when we first meet them before the kids or anything, and she's like, "I'm not just going to have you staring staring at the TV like my father did, watching football all the time." Teach me football. And he does, and then she becomes a bigger fan than he is. Yes, yes. Yeah, she's like, I'm not going to be my mother watching my father stare at the TV. Yeah. At first I thought she was like, so you can't watch football. Instead, she, yeah, you don't want you to teach me football. And then it turns out that it became a whole family thing. Became a big family thing. Um, Now, go ahead. I was saying, the sister there, Kate. Yep. That whole bit with her and Toby and how she wants to watch football and watch it her way and do the way she likes to do it because it's her tradition and this and that and everything Mm -hmm. and how he's trying to impose himself on it and just like, I'm just trying to, you know, have fun with it or whatever. He invites the friend over and then they paused it. Yep. Like right at the touchdown and then it's not live anymore and then she's sort of freaking out about it. Like I can totally relate to that in an instant that happened to me back few years ago where I had met someone and they were like, oh, do you want to hang out? And I'm like, well, no, it's Monday night and I watch wrestling on Monday night and that's what I want to do. Well, you can watch it over here. And I went, no, you don't want me to watch it over there because I want to watch it. I'm not going to want to do anything else besides watch wrestling and I'm not going to want to talk during it. When the commercials hit, we can talk, but the second the commercials are done, I'm watching wrestling again. So I can completely relate to that. Because I went through that, and then there was a fight that happened because I wanted to watch wrestling and not pay attention to this person. And that's the yeah. thing is, like, Kate specifically told him, no, yes. I'm busy, I'm going to be watching football, it's a thing I do by myself, just let me have this. And yeah. it was one of the few times that Toby's charm was the opposite. Obnoxious. It yes. was obnoxious, it was almost obsessive. He's like, well, we yeah. have to do everything together. We have yeah. to be part of each other's lives constantly. No, you don't. In fact, I've always been of the mindset that a little space and people having their own hobbies and such is yep. good for a relationship because it lets you be an individual Absolutely. and not just always part of a couple. Absolutely. I agree 100% on that. Like, we each have to have your own thing that you like to do to be, you know, to, to go and do it. Like, me and wrestling. Like, Kate has no in My Kate, my wife, has no interest in wrestling whatsoever. But you know what? She put the effort in. She went to an independent show. Granted, it was at the fair, and it was a bad one to go to because it's at the fair. And fair wrestling is always garbage. But whatever. It's wrestling. And she did go to a WWE show with me in Canaan. And she's like, you know what? I don't need to ever go again. But she put the effort in and made the attempt and then realized this is your thing. Bye. So I agree with you 100%. And I also definitely agreed with the whole pausing the thing. You know, like she said – I'm here. I'm not here to hang out and talk and and yes. swap stories. I'm yep. here to watch football, or I'm here to watch a movie or a TV show. Don't just pause this and have him tell me a story. I don't know who this guy is. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I agree completely. It was it was brutal, and again, it was because Toby was imposing himself. Yes. Um. And that and that's essentially what happened. Like the story I was telling earlier. Like I wasn't. Like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Same exact scenario where yep. I was just like, all right, I'll see you later. I'm going to go home and watch wrestling. Yeah. Um, the thing, one of the themes in this episode, uh, we did get to find out that Miguel had a girlfriend or a wife or whatever, and they have at oh, least one kid together. Married with at least one kid, yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
the the main premise here that obviously Kevin and Kate and Randall will not be privy to is the fact that Mandy Moore never wanted kids and like yep. legit never wanted kids. And they handled this okay, but for me, it kind of th- – this is a sore spot for me because – like you with the other thing, I've been through this situation before where, you know, I used to go into work and I'd be like, no, I don't want kids. And they'd be like, oh, someday you will. Well, no, I won't. Oh, but it just has to be at the right time or with the right person. No, I've made up my mind. I've thought about it. I don't want kids. And it was over yep. and over and over again. It's like people can't get that out of their head. And that's what I felt like here. And then she gives in. You know, then she's like, well, I've thought about it. And, you know, we should have kids. And, ah, you know. Well, she said, I look at our future and I see, I do see us with kids, but I don't want to give up our life we have now because I love our life. Right, right. And, and that's the thing is, it's not that she's being a greedy person. It's not that she was being selfish and saying, you know, it's got to be all about me, but she was legit saying, you know, this is not, I like how life is now. I don't want to change. I don't want to do things that are different and scary. And I got that. But as we see, she, uh, came around. As they say, yeah, she came around. <laughs> um, and then we find out that dad's dead. We don't yes. know when he died. We don't know how he died. But dad's dead, and Kate has his ashes in an urn, and that's what she watches football with, is yep. her dad. So yep. it was great. We've been wondering it for a while, and now we know. Yep. But Randall still doesn't like Miguel. No. So there has to be something more to it. They had to have gotten separated along the way, and that's what happened there. My worry is that Dad took up drinking again. And, Mine too. And that Miguel was, you know, a friend. Maybe Miguel had gone through a divorce, and he was trying to comfort Mom. Mm-hmm. And yep. maybe drunk driving accident, maybe heart attack. Who knows? We'll it, find out, I it, bet. It's going to be sad no matter what it is. Oh, yeah. It's going to be very sad. It's a great show. It yeah, it's really weird. is I, a good show. I don't like any other just straight-up drama show, but I do enjoy this one. And I was looking at it, and then I was looking at some of the other shows that I was watching and trying to mm-hmm. see, you know, why is it that I like this one? The characters on this feel more real. They're yep. very flawed, but they're not, like, stupid flawed. And they're not all sexy, gorgeous pieces of tail. You know, these yep. are not the most beautiful people in the world. Like so many other shows seem to like casting. They're and real. The, their drama is real. Like for me, at least their drama is relatable. Yes. I can relate to several things that have happened in the series. Yep. Definitely. Yep. Um, so I know you don't watch American Horror Story. No. So I'll just real quick. I, I Lethal Weapon wasn't on this week. No, it wasn't. I did not watch SVU yet. I did not watch Criminal Minds. Um, but American Horror Story, I, I did watch. And um, on the American Horror Story side of things, they killed a lot of people in this episode. Like really? in the first minute, two minutes, I think it is, the girl, Kathy Bates' character, who played the butcher in the, on, in the show or whatever, and Whatever. She anyways, she kills the production assistant, the cameraman, and the producer. Like right away in the first like couple minutes. And then um later on more people are killed. Like uh Matt, okay, you know, Shelby and Matt were the uh, original two 
where it was about their life buying this house and then Matt's sister Lee. So Shelby and Matt had gotten after the series had gotten over whatever. Shelby had a, a weekend fling with Cooper Gooding Jr.'s character who played Matt on the dramatic reenactments and reenactments. And so now Shelby goes back to the house to try to reconcile with Matt. But Matt goes back to the house because this witch that possessed him twice and made him have uh, sex with her. He's fallen in love with her and he goes back to the house because he wants to hook up with her again. That's why he goes back not to reconcile with uh, Shelby. And when Shelby finds them in the basement doing it, she snaps and kills Matt. So there was four characters that got killed straight away in this episode. Wow. Two primary ones, two secondary ones. Hmm. And then at the end of the episode, the real butcher shows up and kills Kathy Bates' character. Well, she had that coming. So five characters got killed in this episode that we saw. Now, there was these hillbilly people that were displayed in the dramatic reenactments, but we meet them and they actually capture really fakely and fake Shelby who are trying to escape um, from the butcher, the fake butcher, you know, uh, and go get help for real Shelby who had gotten slashed in the neck. And then they come across the producer and his assistant and the cameraman that were all been killed. And then the butcher attacks them and they flee from her. And then they run into the hillbillies who capture them. And then basically it's the implied that um, they at least cut a chunk of Lee's leg off and cooked it up and forced the other two to eat it. Interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many episodes are in this season, but they really killed a lot of people in this episode. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. Huh. Well, then. Yeah. That's more killing than uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead had. It really was a lot of killing going on. Yeah. A really whole lot of killing going on. What'd you watch from Wednesday night? I thought that was Tuesday. Oh, no, that's all Wednesday. Oh. Well, Wednesday I watched Arrow. I watched Arrow as well. Uh, Did you have any more Tuesday? I'm sorry. Did you have any more Tuesday? I don't think so. I didn't think so either. That's why I jumped. Uh, Arrow, I came to a realization this week. I may have had this realization before, but it felt fresh to me. And that's that Arrow is to Batman versus Superman what Flash is to the Marvel Universe. And I know the hate mail is going to start coming in. You are 100% right. But that's the thing is Arrow, even when they do have snide humor, it's so dulled and muted and it's almost like an afterthought because everything in Arrow is dark and dour and pouty and everybody sucks and everybody hates everybody else. And I mean, in the first five seconds, we get to watch Wild Dog with a sniper rifle and a silencer yeah. take the shot. That was supposed to be Vixen, uh, Artemis's shot. It's Artemis's yep. shot, and he yep. fired off like six or seven shots. He was, he was getting away. Uh, no, he wasn't. Yeah. Like, uh, like, okay, I know they call him Wild Dog, but seriously, like, do you legitimately think he would still be quote unquote on the team when every single episode he does something irresponsible and stupid? Right? You know? I mean, he's more of a hindrance to this team than Scooby Doo is. <laughs> and Scooby Doo is an actual dog. <laughs> 
Scooby has more benefit to his team than Wild Dog has to his team. I'm putting it out there now. That is a phenomenal analogy. (laughs) Anybody who wants to challenge me on that, you go right ahead. You tell me how Wild Dog is any better than Scooby-Doo. He's not. (laughs) I don't think anyone can. I don't think anyone can make that argument. I mean, like, at the end of the episode, he got captured, and I'm thinking, that team's better off. Yeah, yep. But he was taken alive, so... Which is uh, unfortunate. He's probably going to divulge information. Oh yeah, I mean we've already seen he's taken a beating and he's being tough about it. But yeah, yeah he's uh, he's not going to last long. Yeah, Church and, uh, is going to get it out of him. Yeah, because Church seems to get things out of people. Do you feel like the DA is crooked? I think that there's something to him. He's a little too eager and a little too uh, positive and on their side. Yeah, even like, oh, and where's the mayor in all this? Oh, his his health issues are clearing up. Oh, that's great. I'm going to step out now. Yeah. And I just thought that was a little too easily sold off. I think I, – I instantly thought when they made Oliver mayor, it was going to be stupid because he can't be mayor and be a public figure in the public eye all the time and be Arrow. Right. Every episode is going to involve around him. Why does the mayor disappear all the time? How, how about the fact that – they tried the, the whole gimmick where the case that was stolen but then wasn't really stolen was just a bomb to blow a hole in the evidence locker so that they could get guns. Did they really – like he was like, I'm going to be there for every step of the chain of custody. Well, good for you. That That's a good thing. I can understand that. But you yeah. never checked the case. You never opened it up. Didn't look in it. Didn't see. Exactly. I was wondering the same. The, and I know it's that they very said, convenient that that guy put it against the back wall like he did. Yeah, and I know that they said, oh, they stole some 386 computer chip or something like that. You know, it's really outdated and blah, blah, blah. But maybe if they had opened it up and looked around, they would have said, hey, look, there's explosives attached to this. Right, because had that case not been set by the wall to blow a hole in the wall, it wouldn't have done anything. If it was in the center of the room, it would have caused some damage to the room. Right. You couldn't, it wasn't like that big of an explosion where wherever they put the case, it would have, you know, helped them gain entry. This case had to be put by a wall. Right. Ouch. So, yeah. And, and then yeah. we had the nice, um, you know, the nice gesture where Oliver's like, I'm going to ride this motorcycle off into the sunset. I'm going to go rescue John. And then his team shows up at exactly the right moment in the road and says, we're going to stop you. Cause you know, they've been really effective at ringing the bell so far. Right, right. And, and he pretty much just destroys them in a tenth of a second. Yep. And then, and then rides off, anyway. off And then says, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> rides off anyways. Yeah. It is. It's BVS. You know, yep. it's just it's and then, all dark yeah. and no humor. And then he shows up and John's like, what are you doing here? I don't want to be rescued. I got to pay for this crime. And he's like, oh, John, let's go. And yeah. He's like, all right, let's go. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you can pay for it while you're outside these walls as Spartan. He's like, mm, you're right, okay. Mm, all right, valid point. Yeah. So that's his plan. You're going to pay for it while you're Spartan. Oh, but yeah. um, we need you to hide out here at the old Hive headquarters that, you know, for some reason nobody has come to hang out in. Right. You, you just hang out here. You can't be Spartan because they'll know that it's you. So just kind of hide for a while. We'll come back yeah. and get you. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. When the coast is clear. Yeah. 
Ah, yeah. The only character at this point that I really like is Rory, Ragman. He's the most effective member of the team. He's the one that works as a teammate more than anybody else, you know, shielding people, protecting them, uh, keeping innocent lives safe. And he's the only one who was able to rise above. He's like, you know what? It sucks. You you were given an impossible choice, Felicity, but I'm still, I I still want to help. Yep. Yay for him. He should get his own show because he seems like a stable person. And then I didn't care for any of the flashbacks. Oh, God, I'm so sick of the flashbacks. He's they in say, prison, gets info, and breaks someone's neck. And thank God this is the last season of flashbacks. That, they say that, but they've said a lot of things. I don't well, I hope it. that one stays true. <laughs> and once again, they break out, but they don't really break out because they get out to the yard, and suddenly, miraculously, there's like a dozen or so uh, heavily there's- armed people there. They're surrounded. Yep, they're completely surrounded, and they say, if you move, if you don't put your hands up, we're going to shoot. And then they get Fultoned out yep. by a C-10, and the guys are just like, eh, they got away, let's not shoot them. Yeah, like they couldn't hear, I'm, I'm looking in the background of that plane coming, and I'm like, that thing is friggin' enormous. And it was diving at way too, way too steep How do they not hear angle. that? Why are they not looking around to see what that noise is coming from? Right? It was way too steep of an angle for that kind of a plane. Yeah. To pull back up out of that would have been near impossible. They were so close to the ground. It, yeah. The Fulton system works, but oh my god, that was just ridiculous. Like, if that had been realistic, they would have crashed right into the prison. The pilot would have been like, I can't pull up hard enough! And yeah. down. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Um. <sighs> You got any other shows on Wednesday? Uh, yes, I do. What you got? Let's see. Um, Adam Ruins Everything was a different type this week. Don't worry. Uh, it was a live episode. It was an hour long. He was presenting on a stage, probably in front of a college or something, but he had like uh, clips up on the screen behind him, and he had actors that would come out and portray the different parts, but it was all about the election and all about the political system and how things have changed or how they haven't changed, and you know, oh, we say this, but really this happened, but literally I had one note, and I said, lots of good info, but Mike won't care because it's political, and that's that an all I put. Excellent. That is an excellent note. It was a sad Thorough, note to write, but it was, true. but it was what had to be done. So, yeah, it was a good episode. If you want to check it out, people, it, it was great information. But well, see, I actually probably would enjoy learning about stuff like that. It's because he's not. It's not a political move after political move. Like I hate. I hate the rhetoric of a politics, if you know what I mean. But I think if this guy was explaining things, I think I would understand it and like it. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, like, what, do, you, do you have an example of like something he talked about? Uh, he was talking about how we're all excited and patting ourselves on the back because we finally have um, nominated a female president. But during the days of, oh my God, which one was it? one of the presidents had a stroke and I honestly can't remember his name now. I should have was it Reagan? No, 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 no. Reagan was shot. Um, this president had a stroke and became paralyzed. And for the next year and a half, his wife limited all access to him and she would come out and tell people, Oh, this is what he said. So for a year and a half, she was effectively the president of the United States. 
because she would go into the locked room that he was in and then she would come out and say, my husband says this. They, this was only known later on because only the most senior staff found out about it because to the rest of the United States, they were told, oh, he's fine. He's just, he's so busy doing other stuff that he can't make public appearances. Was and it Woodrow Wilson? It might have been Wilson. Okay. And so for the last year and a half of his presidency, she was technically the presidentress and yeah. ran the country her way because she would say, this is what we need to do and this is what we need to do. And nobody could ever confirm with him because she was like, he's too ill to see you. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. And I think Wednesday is designated survivor. It is. Um, it was, it was on, I saw it was on. I didn't watch it. It was a really good episode. Um, they focused, there was two things that they were focusing on. One is that now that they have confirmation of who the terrorist group was that planted the yeah. bomb, they were going to bomb the building that he was in. But at the last second, their intel said, no, he left that building. They found out that he was now hiding out in a uh, hospital, down in the basement of a hospital surrounded by women and children and patients and such. So they decided that they were going to send in a Navy SEAL team. Yeah. And that was one of the primary focuses. They managed to get him, but the SEAL team captain was killed in the process because the guy had taken children hostages and was using them as human shields. And this guy got in the way to protect the children. And he got shot, I think they said, eight times in the back and then one in the back of the neck. And he was dead instantly. I'm like, well, he was probably dead after the ninth one, but I <laughs> doubt he was dead instantly with the eighth that hit him in the back. Yeah. And then also, they're doing more investigation about the uh, the room, room 105. Uh, the FBI agent had gotten a mysterious call at the end of the last episode and said, you know, look for room 105 and you'll know why that senator was missing from his seat. And they were talking about how since World War II, any renovations done to the Capitol building are always considered confidential, top secret, and they're only known by members of Congress, and they have to be safeguarded. So Congress can release those if they want, but the general public can't see them. So they wanted to find out about Room 105. They found out where it would be on a blueprint, but it's not on a blueprint because congressmen have these secret rooms where it's to blow off steam or to get away or think about a vote or stuff like that. So there are these secret rooms all over the inside of the congressional buildings. And in this particular one, which matches up with where the senator's body was found, they discovered that two and a half months ago there was a contractor in there a now defunct company and all the men who worked on that project are now dead, either from things like heart attack or car accident or, you know, uh, lead poisoning from bullets. And <laughs> the, when they looked at what they did, they effectively reinforced the entire room. Now this seems a little odd in two and a half months, they were able to reinforce the room with high tensile steel that was also blast proof. So they made the room into a bomb shelter. Yep. And now this senator who's been found alive in that room that was a bomb shelter, uh, he turned down the secretary of state position. They offered it to him and he was like, no, 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 I, I, I want to serve in Congress like I'm meant to. And they were like, oh, that's so noble. We should offer him the vice presidency. Meanwhile, the FBI lady is finding out that he might have an ulterior motive. He seemed to be very upset when he heard that they caught the leader of the terror cell alive. So... 
he may be working with them and then getting him into the vice presidency could be the first step towards installing essentially a terrorist in the White House. That sounded like a better episode. Oh, it was great. And that sounded like a better episode. It was also an interesting thing because the code name that they gave the terrorist leader as they were hunting him was Mad Hatter. And then we've got Gotham over here with the Mad Hatter. Coincidence? I think so. But then they had to kind of undo some of their stuff because yeah. there's also they're they're doing some background checks on the president and his family so that they can make sure that nobody has political ammo against them. And it turns out that the first lady's first ex is in a federal prison, and he's going around telling everybody, "Yeah, the boy's mine. That's my son, not the president's son." Oh, the oldest. Yeah. So I didn't particularly care for that part. Why do you got to add stuff in like that? You know, why do you have to add whole new layers to things that don't need layers? I've been happy the past couple episodes not seeing either one of the kids. Me too. Well, I would be too, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was a very good episode, and I'm excited. Cool. Yep. Did you watch Criminal Minds, or was it not on this week? It was on. I did not watch it yet. Okay. Are you still behind? Are you, like, one nope. episode? or nope, just, I'm caught just up. One? Okay. Yeah. Um, did you watch Superstore? I did. <laughs> what was this week's about? I I, uh, I did not watch it. Uh, this week's was the Halloween episode. and Ooh, uh, it's going to be good. They, uh, they started off, everybody was in costume except for Dina, and she was like, you know, oh, costumes are stupid, and I, I run this place, and blah, 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 blah. And uh, she pointed out one of the girls, that meek one who uh, she... She's kind of dumpy, and she has the dark hair, and she's always frowning. Yes, yes. Um, she was told to knock down the uh, wasp nest last week. Yes, yes. She was wearing a costume of Dina. She had, like, the <laughs> name tag and everything. And she goes, you know, shut up, Elaine. And then Dina goes, shut up, Elaine. Hi, she did you. She knows you. So Dina's like, fine, I'm going to go put on a costume. So she walked down the Halloween aisle and just grabbed a random costume, went and put it on. Well, it was a sexy cop outfit. And she didn't seem to have a problem with this, but she was showing massive cleavage. And it was kind of a running thing with Garrett and Jonas, especially Garrett, the guy in the wheelchair. He yeah. was like, I can't stop looking at her. He's like, <laughs> my my higher brain tells me that this is the same racist jerk who has pulled crap on me all the time. But my caveman brain is like, booms. <laughs> And Jonas is like, well, just don't look at her. He goes, have you seen my line of sight? I am literally on her level that way. And so it was very funny in that respect. Uh, the rest of it was, you know, a case of ugly fruits. I guess the produce, when they have ones that don't yeah. look appealing, they get ready to send them back. Well, a case of them disappeared. So Dina had decided she was going to keep everybody for interrogation and not let them go home until she found out who took the fruits. By the end of the episode, Glenn finally stood up to her and said, this is my store, and you don't get to tell people what to do, and we're all going home. So that was good. But it, uh, oh, and Amy was all excited to go home and trick-or-treat with her daughter, but her daughter's like nine now and wanted to go hang out with her friends instead of go trick-or-treating. So that kind of crushed Amy a little bit. And Mateo got a second date with the uh, corporate guy. But again, it had to be a secret, you know, pick him up after oh, yeah. work on the loading docks, except Cheyenne saw them. So she uh -oh. now knows. 
And she loves the gossip, so. Yep. I like that show. <laughs> and then they always have those, like, um, you know, the little cut scenes, the little yes. joke scenes and yes. stuff. One of them was that little tiny elderly lady. <clears throat> she saw a guy there dressed as the Grim Reaper, and she was, like, chasing him around, like, take me, take me. <laughs> and then one customer was walking through dressed up as a cloud, like the mascot, and he had, like, fake yeah. blood dribbling down the suit. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yep, good episode. Nice. I like the Dare episode still. That was fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Thursday Night Blacklist. I watched the week up or the week before The Linguist. Um, pretty good episode. I mean, essentially he wants to release all these as a guy who murdered inventors for their awesome inventions so then he could release them for free to the world. Yeah. Because his so that's kind of weak was, sauce. Because because of what? Because his invention was shelved. A yeah. company bought it and then shelved it because it wasn't going to turn profit for them. So him killing them doesn't make sense. But I mean, I guess. Um, and then they use Kirk's doctor to find out where Kirk's going to be, and of course that backfires. <sighs> like I said, Blacklist does love to do the whole. Oh, it's not behind this door. Ha ha ha! We fooled no. you. But um. I haven't been enjoying this season that much. Like I have seasons past. They took the focus off of what the show is called. The show is called The Blacklist. Yeah. And it's kind of off that focus and it's on the, where my baby? It should be called Find Agnes. Yeah. Where in the world is Agnes? Yeah. It and should just be called Find Agnes. It's kind of run its course. I will tell you that this week it finally gets some resolution, I believe. The way, right, that, well, the way that they ended this week's episode was that we finally have her back, and it should hopefully be over, but you never know. I plan on watching it still. Did they do find anything with the cleaner? Is she still captured and chained to a bed? She's still captured and chained to a bed, and the uh, woodsman is interrogating her. He's like, how, he said, you know, uh, somebody shot you and left you for dead. They're going to do that again. They're going to bring somebody else out here and shoot them, and they're not going to find your body, so they're going to come looking for me. So I need to know what's going on. Why shouldn't I just kill you and dump you out there? And she's like, no, I tried to kill myself. So he goes back out to the spot and brings in his trail cameras that he had that are all motion activated and shows her, you know, Dembe and Red bringing her out there and then them leaving. He's like, see, three entered, two left. We need to talk. Okay, so logical. Yep. And uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the, apparently the commercial for next week's episode says the last episode before the Blacklist Fall finale. So oh, okay. there's two more episodes. You've got a third one to watch, but there's two more episodes yeah. before the Fall finale. Which I can't believe we're already getting to that already with certain shows. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Did you watch A Good Place? I did. I, I haven't watched that yet. It was one of those ones where I ran out of time. Ah. It's really good. They have an ongoing cactus joke, and it's really awesome. Janet continues to be one of my favorite characters. Now, she, she, she stood up at the end, and she said that she didn't belong there. How'd they handle that? Uh, they handled it fully. Like, he... Uh, oh, he looked so it wasn't into, like a dismissive way. They actually looked into it. No, no. And in fact, we get introduced to people from The Bad Place. And Adam Scott is the leader of the people <laughs> from... <laughs> and he shows up in a train and, yeah, 
They uh, they definitely deal with it. See, Janet is still trying to reset herself, and so every time they ask her for something, like, can you give me Eleanor's file? She's like, here you go, and she gives him a cactus. And pretty soon, anything that he asks for gets a cactus, so he has like 30, 40 cacti in his office, and it's just really funny the way that it happens. Like, at one point, he's sitting there, and he's like, okay, I need her file. And she goes, yes, I found the file, and he goes... It can't be a cactus. She's like, no, I have her file. Do you promise me it is her file and not a cactus? She's like, of course. It is not a cactus. It is her file. Seriously, I can't take another cactus. She's like, no, I really found it. I really have it. He's like, okay, give me the file. And it's a cactus. And she's like, there you go. And he's like, thank you, Janet. <laughs> awesome. Yep. She's not doing it to be mean. She's just... It's just that's... Yeah. Um. But yeah, they have a glowing cube that's a lie detector, a perfect lie detector. And so they're asking about like who killed Janet and what happened. And it was really well done. And it leaves you on yet another cliffhanger, which is odd for a sitcom. Yeah. But it is. It, but they've done that a lot. <laughs> Adam Scott as the bad place guy was just great. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yep. He's awesome. So I did watch Legends of Tomorrow. Yay. Yeah, uh, Nate did the voiceover this week, or should I say Citizen Steel? Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, straight away, remember what I said? Oh, they're going to think it was the time travelers. And yep. uh, Amaya's on the ship, and she gets to drop on everyone except for Citizen Steel. The only actress that we cared about putting into the show full time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, of course, a mishap leaves Nate and Ray in 1640s Japan. Dude, that was not a mishap. That was a, what are you thinking? That's... Let's test out his kids screwing around. Yeah, let's let's test out his super steel powers on the ship while it's in flight and up against one of the walls to the exterior of the ship. What could go wrong? Everything. Yeah, John. Everything. Um. But anyhow, so of course, Ray's instantly captured. They take a suit. Yep. Because that's what happens to Ray. Exactly. There's always a reason to get Ray out of a suit. And then I made a note, like, how the hell did the Japanese guy figure out how to use the suit? And that's addressed next time. I goes, well, I basically made the suit so a moron could, could use it. And then Rory, and he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Firestorm together. I'm just going to call him Firestorm. They find that hidden chamber with mm. the armory and Which Barry's only, message from 2056. The only thing that I was interested in, and they wouldn't even tell us what was going on with it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He's like, Rip, you can't tell the rest of your team about this. What I'm about yeah. to tell you has dire consequences. And his voice sounded older, but yep. like beaten down older. Yep. I do like how um, Rory is – I like his character. Yeah. He's always the same. He's gruff. He's a tough guy. He likes ninjas. He's excited when ninjas show up. <laughs> ninjas. He enters the ninjas. Oh my God. He dresses up as a ninja to prove that. <laughs> See, I told you there was ninjas. <laughs> He's just obsessed with the ninjas. And then at the end, yeah. when she throws the ninja star at him, and she's like, "See, now you can say that you met ninjas." And he's like, "Oh, yeah." So I like his character. Uh, I didn't like because Ray actually made a point of saying that he had tuned the armor to his body. Yes. And then later on he's like, oh, well, I made it so that any idiot could do it. What the I hell know. is wrong with you? Yeah. And then now he doesn't have a suit, so do you think he has a backup? How are they going to handle that? Oh, he'll fix it. You know, because yeah. he specifically Well, no, said, it's been disintegrated. It's gone. He'll fix it. He'll go back to a different <laughs> point in time. Like, he'll say, oh, there was an early prototype that went missing in my lab. Maybe this is why, yeah. because I came back in time and got it. 
Yeah, maybe. So Supernatural. This was a Monster of the Week episode with a caveat, and that is the fish-out-of-water scenario of their mother who's come back from the dead Mm -hmm. and likes to do things the old way hunters did things, doesn't understand the internet and the new technology. Back in my day! Well, kind of, but she – so she does some investigating like she used to and she discovers stuff that the boys didn't discover, of course. But it was nice because it was a Monster of the Week episode and they touched a little bit on the Lucifer side of things like he's out of Rick Springfield's body and he's been banished off to the bottom of the ocean by um, Rowena when she tricks him into – she's going to do this – Essentially, he asked her to do a cast a spell that will help this meat suit last longer than the others. And what she does is the opposite. She makes it so that the body decays faster. And then once the body's decayed, he then casts you know, his glowing orb or whatever to the bottom of the ocean type of thing. And uh, Crowley and uh, Kaz work together in this episode to try to um, – find Lucifer and all that other stuff. Um, and then, uh, but we had the monster of the week episode where there was basically, it was a haunted house with uh, ghostly killings of children and they solve it. And then uh, at the end of the episode, basically what I thought was going to happen, which was this isn't mom's world. This isn't my world where I was dead in heaven where she was, you know, how they each have their own room type of thing. We've seen in past right. episodes. Yeah. Well, and hers was John and Dean and Sam, has kids. So she had her family there and now she doesn't have her family. So she's big time fish out of water. So I feel like she's going to be leaving. Like, even though she's so happy to have her boy, she, she just can't, if this doesn't feel right, she's got to go do her own thing. Kind of like when, uh, Flash's dad got out of prison. Right. Type of scenario, which I expected at some point. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was a good episode. Okay. Yeah. I want to see more Monster of the Week episodes because they had nothing to do with Men of Letters British in this one. So, Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, um, Friday night, the only show I had been watching was The Exorcist, and I'm not watching that anymore. Did you watch this one? Nope. Nope. And I'm also watching MacGyver, and I haven't watched this one yet either. I haven't gotten okay. a chance to. But, no, The Exorcist. <laughs> I want to touch quickly on a couple movies I watched this week. Okay. I watched the new Jackie Chan flick, Skip Trace. And this is the another Americanized Jackie Chan buddy flick, but this time the buddy is Johnny Knoxville. And I'm just going to go ahead and say what I never thought I'd say. Um, it wasn't good. <laughs> it was the st- typical buddy. Knoxville witnesses a murder. He has a phone with evidence, but because of his connection with this girl in Russia who he allegedly got pregnant, he gets taken back there from Hong Kong to Russia. Jackie Chan's a cop. His niece is in trouble because her boss is the guy that did the murder and on and on. So he has to go to China, go to Russia to get Johnny Knoxville's character to bring him back to Hong Kong. So his niece isn't murdered or sorry, God niece isn't murdered, whatever it is. And there's a twist and there's this and that. And the action's okay. You know, it's Jackie Chan's older. So it's, it's impressive still. I mean, he's in way better shape than I am. He's 20 years older than me, but, uh, <sighs> I don't know. It almost feels like he did this for a paycheck. I'm sure he did at this point. You know, it wasn't because I've seen some of the Hong Kong ones he's done and they've been great still. Really good stories. This was just, yeah, I got two weeks to film a movie with Johnny Knoxville. 
You know, and this is what they churned out. So, gotcha. So not that good. No, no. Then I watched Kickboxer Vengeance. Did you ever watch the original Kickbox movie with Jean Claude Van Damme? Of course I did. I grew up in the eighties. Thank you. So this is a remake of the original movie, and this is what the best part is. They've already announced a sequel before the third, before the first one came out, and then. After they filmed the sequel, they announced they were going to film a third movie and make it a trilogy. That starts filming in February. So, and um, basically, it's a remake of the original, the same general premise of champion fighter Eric Sloan travels to Thailand. This is what I wrote. Travels to Thailand to fight Tong Po, who's played by Batista. Um, Eric was original, was paralyzed in the original film, but in this flick, Tong Po kills him. The younger brother, Kurt Sloan, seeks vengeance, and he is trained by legendary trainer Durand to eventually fight Tong Po. Except Jean-Claude Van Damme is playing Durand in this movie, and he played Kurt Sloan in the original movie. So now he's playing the master. Gotcha. Except in the original, the master was like a Miyagi old type guy, whereas in this one, he's Jean-Claude Van Damme. So he's pretty much fighting and kicking just as much ass as Kurt does. Except he's his teacher. Um, so um, all in all, it is a good movie. It's definitely updated for the times. There's several known MMA fighters in this flick like Gina Carano and George St. Pierre and whatnot. Um, the fight scenes are decent. Um, and yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. And I'll watch the other two movies when they eventually come out. Cool. Yeah. I don't have... Go ahead. At least it wasn't the Jackie Chan movie. I, I was so disappointed in the Jackie Chan flick. Like, sincerely disappointed. Like, sincerely disappointed. That's too bad. I did watch Black Mirror. I binged watched all six episodes. I'm I, not going to go into a huge amount of detail right now, though. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, either. Um, I almost feel like I would rather do a very special episode... To talk about Black Mirror. Are you Once talking you just this season or the whole thing so far? Um, well, we could talk about the whole thing, but specifically this season. Okay. Just to touch base briefly, there's six episodes, six individual stories. I didn't. I liked every story. One of the stories actually scares me that we're actually heading down that way. And it's the episode called Nosedive. And I'll let you watch it to figure that out. Uh, each episode is an hour, at least, like 63 minutes or 57 minutes or whatever. And then episode six is an hour and a half. So, I mean, they are literally like little movies. Right. They did a fantastic job. It stays right because the original run was made for the BBC. The same people that made the original one is making this, except now it's a Netflix exclusive or a Netflix original. So I really like it. When, once you watch it, I think we should do an episode just on Black Mirror. Okay. So I don't have any trailers. No, I didn't see. I don't any have trailers. anything else. No. No. Okay. You have anything else? Yeah, I still have a couple of TV shows. Awesome. Go for it. Uh, frequency this week. Uh, really, once again, starting to lose me. Um, this time it was, again, a parallel investigation where there was a girl whose mom was a Nightingale victim. Uh, and back in the day, when she was, you know, eight or nine years old, was when it happened to her mom. And then 
in the present time, she had written a book about it, and now she's gone missing and supposedly kidnapped by the Nightingale. So they keep doing the parallel, you know, Raimi's dad meets up with her dad back in the day and he's, you know, trying to deal with the fact that his wife's gone and he's all upset. And so he's like, well, let's set up a play date with our girls and we can talk. And young Raimi talks to this young girl and the young girl says that she saw the Nightingale. So now older Raimi is like, oh, I remember that she saw the Nightingale. So I'm going to have to talk to her and see if she remembers. But, you know, she's been kidnapped in the future. So when they finally... When she finally escapes her captor in the future, it turns out that the whole time she was making it up because she just liked being famous and she liked all the reporters talking to her when her mom went missing and she wanted to recapture that. And the book had flopped, so now she staged a kidnapping and pretended that she was captured and uh now... She was trying to get the publicity again and have people paying attention to her again, but they poked holes in her stuff and... But she did remember that as a kid, she did see a blue pickup truck with one of those white shell tops on the back. And she remembered that she saw it several times when her mom was having an affair. Uh, it would always drive by, and she remembered that the guy had short hair and always wore aviator sunglasses, sometimes had a hood, sometimes didn't. So then Dad, in the past, goes to watch Mom and Raimi play at the park and sees the truck parked like six or seven vehicles up the street. And so he uh does the stupid thing, you know, and gets out and starts running up towards the truck and saying, you know, hey, stop, stop, stay right there. And the guy speeds off, like peels out, spins around and drives off. And then you see at the end that he's torching the truck because, you know, oh, they obviously recognize me from my truck. That must be how they knew. But, you know, he had a plate number and the description of the vehicle. So now they're one step closer. Here's where it kills me, though. So when they changed the past and her mom disappeared, her fiancé that she's in love with and they have all these memories together, he doesn't remember her anymore. They've never met because her mom was never there to introduce them because her mom took care of him as a patient in the ER when he was in a car accident. So now they've never met and she's all sad about that because she still has all these memories of them being together and boo-hoo. And last episode, you know, she went to their favorite bar and he happened to come in and she was like, oh, I'm always here. And he's like, I've never seen you here. And she's like trying to make it work with him. So this episode, they introduce a police detective. She goes to talk to him about, you know, the missing girl and, or the missing woman now. And he's like, oh, what? You're going to treat me like that? You're going to give me the cold shoulder? And suddenly she has memories that, oh, yeah, they had like a fling together, her and this other detective. And they slept together, and she blew him off. So now it's like a love triangle thing. Now they've got her thinking about, oh, well, this is my fiancé, and we had a thing together, and I want to get the timeline back so that I can be with him. But if I'm stuck here, I've got this guy who obviously likes me, and we had a thing together, so maybe I should try to be with him. And it really made me roll my eyes up in my head. Yeah, everything you said just makes you not want to watch the show. It, they're ruining a good movie, the way that they're doing this. They're really dragging it out, and they're introducing elements that don't need to be there. And not every story needs to have, like, a love triangle or a, you know, will-they-won't-they they kind of thing. It doesn't need to be there. Stop it. It bugged me. 
I mean, I love the movie, and I'm not loving the show. Like, I liked the first episode, the first couple episodes, but they, but I just question, like, how can you make this movie a show? It doesn't work. Nope, and it really like, isn't. Lethal Weapon works because it's a buddy cop flick, so you just have buddy cop stuff going on. Yep. The Exorcist doesn't work. Nope. They, they're stretching that one out way too much. Yep. Um, so. And then... Moving right along this week, I also watched South Park, and it's the continuing story of the trolls and the member berries. It turns out that the member berries can't be killed. They've tried fire, they've tried acid, they've tried electrocuting them, and these member berries can't be killed, so they obviously have an agenda. And now they're escaping the lab, and they're going to go make their agenda known. Uh, and the trolls have united, they're all excited because they managed to troll the entire country of Denmark into getting off social media. But we're seeing the different sides of the trolls. We've got we've got Gerald the troll who just wants to recapture his youth and <laughs> sorry, that's funny. He he wants to remember what it was like. He says to one of the guys at one point he goes, "Don't you remember when you were a kid and you could just call someone a fag for no reason?" And the guy's like, well, I remember people calling me a fag for no reason. Gerald's like, right, wasn't it great? Wasn't it awesome when you could just do that? That's what I want to do. I want to recapture my youth. I want to feel like that again. And it's not really recapturing you. Exactly. The other guy's like, no. Um, we're, we're, the other guy thinks that trolling is done for political reasons. You know, they want to sway the election and they want to, you know, bring down governments and stuff like that. So they're at odds over what really is the troll's duty in this world, which was terrible but it's unfortunately the way that the world is nowadays and then Denmark finally figures out through the little girl in South Park Cartman's girlfriend she shows them that all you have to do to figure out who's writing these messages is to use emoji analysis because people talk with emojis a lot and if you look at like the way that kids do emojis versus the way that adults use emojis you can determine you know, whether it's an adult or a kid behind the screen and then just by patterns, et cetera. It's kind of like handwriting analysis. So they right, figure that out. emoji analysis. Right. And they figure that out. And so they release information on uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. And that's where one of the trolls live. And they unleash everybody's internet history. So husbands and wives see everything that their partner has ever done on the internet, you know, emails, text messages, browsing history, stuff like that. So chaos starts ensuing. And this one troll manages to get out of his house and he's running down the road and a guy catches him and he's like, you know, you call my daughter R2-D2 because she's in a wheelchair and she's kind of a vegetable. That's <laughs> not funny. But and... So he dumps gas on the kid, on the troll, and sets him on fire and cooks him alive. And, you know, the little girl in the wheelchair is like, is he burning, Daddy? Oh, he's burning good, honey. And it's really crazy because now the trolls are all going to be hunted, but everybody's going to be hunted. You know, the uh, their entire Internet history of everybody, like every email or text or IM that you've ever sent could be public knowledge to anybody. Well, they're really going all out. Yeah, they are. So... It was a good episode. I liked it. I may actually have to check that out. It's been a good season so far. It's it does been... sound like it, actually. It sounds like it. Um, and I will just say this. I'm now three episodes into Falling Water, and it is just as confusing and yet just as awesome. It's kind of like the first season of Lost, where every episode you were like, wow, this show's amazing. And people would say, well, why is it amazing? I have no idea. I have no idea. Yep. Yep. Three episodes in, and I'm loving it. The, cool. the three main characters finally just met up in a dream, 
and but they don't know it because each, to each of them it was their own dream. So they don't realize that the people that are in it are actually other people dreaming it. It's it's intense. This show, if you want a good mind messer, check out Falling Water. I'm loving it. And that's all I got. Oh, I do have a couple pieces of news real quick. All right, go ahead. Uh, X-23 was confirmed for the Logan movie. Nice. Uh, Hugh Jackman had posted a picture and said, uh, Laura. And so that's, of course, Laura, X-23. So they confirmed it. That was good. And the other one, as you may have seen, was that uh, Deadpool 2 lost its director. Yes, I think we talked, didn't we talk about that last we week? We did, and then this week they gave the reasoning behind it. They gave all the information, and I'm very happy. It turns out that Tim Miller was having some issues saying that he wanted more stylized violence. He wanted it to be bigger budget. He wanted it to be more like over-the-top CGI, this, this, this. And Ryan Reynolds was like, no, we need to stick with the original one. And apparently Tim Miller was also the uh, brains behind thinking of hiring Kyle Chandler as Cable, which everybody resoundingly said is a stupid idea. So he had a lot of bad ideas, and Ryan Reynolds said no. I don't want that so to happen. A, so it's a good th- So Ryan Reynolds is basically like, I'll just direct this. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the so. hero of this story. This is such a passion project for him. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning. Yep. So. Who was it, um, the, who was it that, that I thought would make a great cable? You're going to agree Stephen with Stephen Lang or Ron huh? Perlman? Not Ron Perlman. Stephen Lang. Yep. Stephen Lang was in Avatar and he was in, uh, yeah, he was in Avatar, right? Yeah. And Terra Nova. And Don't Breathe. Yeah, yeah, he would be a great cable. He, he looks would like be a cable. great cable. Yeah, Ron Perlman would also be a great cable if they put him in. Yeah, there. it's Hellboy. Yep. But yeah, he'd be a great cable. Agreed. Cool. And that's all I came up with this week. Well, I think we've covered our, a lot on the bases, and yeah, didn't we? I agree. Yep. Um. So I guess thanks for listening. Uh, you can check us out uh, if you have any questions or anything on Twitter. You can find me at Superstar Mal. And I'm the Quantum Geek, G33K. And the show is at Off the Ropes. And, uh, no, it is not. Oh, God, not Off the <laughs> I'm never going to say that again for other reasons. The show is at, uh, on Twitter, it's at What Did You Watch? And uh, on Facebook, it's at What Did You Watch This Week? All right, so Mike's obviously gone off his rocker on the uh, office ropes. That's all right. It's okay. No big deal. Cool. No biggie dealy. Well, hopefully we will uh, catch you all again next week. Yes, <laughs> please uh, check us out. Yeah, just next week works. All right. See you later.